I would have thought, and we discussed this, what was it, yesterday, yesterday morning, somebody came up with this brilliant idea, and it was, as opposed to the bus drivers going on strike, why don't they just take the buses out but don't charge any money? Out there, they don't want to go on strike, all they want is the money, and yet, if they actually ran the buses but they didn't take any money, surely that would be far more effective, wouldn't it? Because then the people who actually own the bus companies would be going, blimey, we don't want this going on all the time, people travelling for free, let's sort this out as quick as possible. Because just going on strike just means that 90% of the public get really fed up with everything. And we go, listen, we, 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 we do put up with it. Nothing to do with us, but we're the ones who suffer. You don't think the people who own the bus companies suffer? They don't suffer at all. Why should they suffer? They just sit, they've all got chauffeur-driven cars, they don't get the buses anyway. It's us who get the buses. So we all have to suffer with it, and we all have to sort of, you know, sort of stand there. And there will be people standing by bus stops at the moment. You feel like driving around going, no buses. No, they're on strike. Why? Because they want money. They want the same as the tube drivers. They want money for, for taking loads of people. I mean, I want, I want money for going on buses because I'm stressed out. Time you get on the bus, you know, and you're packed in like sardines with everybody. It's not a pleasant experience, is it? Perhaps we get money from the train companies as well. Well, I think that was proven some years ago when they said that buying a ticket did not entitle you to a seat. Probably exactly the same as um, as getting on a bus nowadays. So they've gone on strike, so we've spoken to a few people who are striking, and there's sort of three of them, or there might be seven of them. It doesn't seem very many, does it? Does it you know, I'm, I'm thinking maybe the whole garage should be out supporting this. If, if they're actually doing it, or is it just a day in bed? Probably just a day in bed, isn't it? If we're being truthful, there's only a few hardliners who'll stand out there outside something, burning some sticks or something like that. That's that's generally how it works. The rest of the people say, "Oh, thanks a lot. I'll have a day in bed now." <laughs> it doesn't make a difference to them. At the end of the day, they're 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 going to get the money. It's just that we've all had to suffer today. But I did see people at bus stops as I was coming in. I'd, I was tempted to sort of stop the car and go, "Listen, there'll be nothing. I'm afraid, nothing for you at all." Uh, this course, you think differently, but the taxi drivers are loving it. You had the black cabs that were cruising around. I mean, literally, we were in a whole line of them. First morning ever, and I do the same journey every morning. So I know exactly where all the cabs are at any one time. And this morning, the whole of Piccadilly was chock-a-block with, with taxi. Obviously, people were going, listen to me, loads of people. Loads of work this morning. The, the taxi drivers are minting it. I don't see the taxi drivers putting in for extra money. Can we put an increase on the on the meter? Because during the Olympics, we're going to be taking more people, and it'll be more stressful. They don't care. Taxi drivers are more than happy to pick up their 50, 60, 70 grand a year. Easy. Easy peasy. You just go out there, sit there. In fact, the longer they actually sit in traffic, the happier they are. There's no rush, is there? And then when you get upset in the back and go, could you, could you find a way round this? You've done four years of the knowledge. For God's sake, you must know a quicker... Even I know a quicker route. And they go, oh, right, well, you have to ask. That's what they say. You, you have to ask these things when you actually get in the cab. It's always very entertaining. But if you're going to be affected by it this morning, do let us know. You might, you might think differently. You might have a lot of sympathy for, for bus drivers. I've got sympathy for poor Jimmy Carr. Poor soul. He now can't store away, like a squirrel, £3.3 million pound a year. Which, which shows, as I said yesterday, how much he's earning. If he can save £3.3 million pounds every year. And he's been doing that for... I, I suspect he's been doing it for ten years. Jimmy Carr has been at the top of his game for a long, long time. Long, long time. He would have been turning over some really good money. Really good money. So I see no reason why he shouldn't be doing it. Funny how Gary Barlow escaped, didn't he? Everybody said the same thing. Every presenter I've heard on the radio, every presenter on the television, everybody in the newspapers, they've all said the same thing. So should Gary Barlow hand back his OBE? 
And the answer is, yes, of course he should. Why has nobody asked him in the newspapers today? Is, is he a little bit untouchable? As somebody from Cameron's office said, listen, you leave Gary Barlow alone. He's a big supporter of the Conservative Party. He's a big supporter of lining his own pockets, quite clearly. It's all legal. It's just that something smells rotten in the state of Denmark, ladies and gentlemen. And it's that, I'm afraid. If Jimmy Carr has actually come back and said, all right, I'm not going to be in this scheme anymore, then shouldn't Gary Barlow et al. say it? Shouldn't they be coming out saying, all right, I'm not going to? There's nothing the matter with it. It's just that, you know, if it upsets people... And of course, I mean, could you say, could you say, I just find it amazing that the, the Prime Minister sort of only picks on Jimmy Carr and yet leaves his close chum, Gary Barlow, the one who he nominated, you know, for the OBE. <laughs> so that he could, you know, because he put together a concert, which is what he does all the time anyway. And, uh, and it turns out that he's, he's filtering his money away filtering his money away so that in the future he doesn't have to worry about things, which is what any normal person would do. But if Jimmy Carr's relinquished it, then we should expect exactly the same from Gary Barlow. I bet Gary Barlow's pulled pull, pull the shutters down and going, oh, my God, fathers, once they start digging. I'm always amazed, actually, that the, the other member, because there are two members of Take That who haven't done it. Uh, one is um, Jason Orange. But anyway, nobody knows who Jason Orange is. But nobody knows who he is. They've got no, he's the one who goes la-la on stage, isn't he? He doesn't sing anything. He's, he's, a, he's a bit like the, uh, Howard. Howard, Howard. Howard does la-las as well. I don't think he actually sings. I think it's only really the lead. I think it's only Gary, and occasionally... You don't want Robbie to sing too much, do you? Because he sounds a bit like a navvy from Stoke-on-Trent, poor soul. Not his fault. Uh, 84850, uk. Uh, is anybody, somebody asks, not going on strike at the moment? Is anybody not going on strike? I don't think we're, we're, we're not going on strike. I've never seen so many police in Leicester Square this morning. There's a lot of people in fluorescent jackets wandering around, which is quite nice and, and pleasing. And Graham says, what bonus do you get for the Olympics? Because you'll have a lot more listeners. Yeah, I mean, well, there isn't any, but I asked. No bonus. I said, listen, because I'm bringing in an extra, is, is, is there a bonus? Perhaps a cup of soup or pot noodle or something like that? No, nothing at all. Oh, Why? Because that's what you're paid for. All oh, right. Ah, now I'm getting... I'm paid to do a job. And so why should it make any difference if more people come into the country? Why should it make any difference if... Because I think next week, is it Gatwick they're going on strike? Or is it Heathrow? Either way, there's, there's, it's just strikes non-stop. I thought we'd, we'd sort of seen the back of that. I thought we'd seen the back of militant strikers, of little, uh, you know, leaders of, uh, of some of these unions who line their own pockets that have done very nicely, thank you, out of it. They all do very well financially, but, of course, the rest of the workforce have to follow like sheep. And so they're, bah, bah, and somebody goes, right, you're all coming out on strike. And so they go, OK, we're going on strike. 90% of them probably don't want to go on strike. But they don't want to be seen as, 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 as strike breakers, do they? Because that way other people make life very difficult for them. So people are kind of coerced into actually going out on strike. They probably don't want to do it. The wives are going, what are you doing? I'm going on strike. It was a very good thing years ago. It was carry on at your convenience. Sorry to make light of the issue, but in carry on at your convenience, they had a, a guy in the factory, the union convener, and every five minutes he'd be going, what are you doing there? I'm just put, putting the taps on. You're, you're putting the taps on on that base? I don't think so. Everybody out. And it was like the rag trade. Many of you will remember the rag trade with lovely Miriam Carlin. Blew a whistle. Right, everybody out. And it's a bit like that nowadays. And, of course, every... Oh, here we go again. But in Carry On At Your Convenience, the workers, and in particular the, uh, the union convener's mother, turned on him. And they were going, we don't want to go on strike. Well, I'm telling you to go... No, you're not telling us anything at all. We're actually thinking for ourselves for a change. 
And that's why I come back to the simplest answer for the people going on strike is don't go on strike, just don't take any money on the buses. And that way it hits them in, in the pocket. That way you'll have a much quicker reaction. They'll be wanting to settle as fast as possible. Going on strike doesn't make the slightest difference to them. They couldn't care less. None of these people sit on buses. They've got no idea what we all go through every day. There will be queues of people outside all the mainline stations later on. Sort of moan about it. But I've seen it before. I've seen it so... Working in the capital for this amount of time, I've seen it on numerous occasions. People standing outside the stations waiting for a taxi. The taxi is like, not in any particular rush today. If I want to win a £1,000, I'll probably make it by six (laughs) o'clock. That's how it works. Some people benefit, some people don't. So there's people standing outside, on strike outside, maybe a few few bus garages, whereas everybody else is staying in bed. They've gone, it's just a day off, isn't it? Perhaps go and do some shopping later on. Oh, wait a minute, can't take a bus. We've got no buses. We do have a few. We'll let you know uh, uh, which ones those are a little bit later. There's three, three companies who... Um, who actually are involved in this dispute. Uh, Unite want £500. Arriva, Metroline and London General have been granted an injunction. This is preventing Unite members they employ from going on strike. But Unite said its members at 17 other bus firms will press ahead with a 24-hour walkout. That's about 85%. So there you go. But yesterday I noticed that the uh, the doctor's strike wasn't that successful. 83% of GPs carried on working as normal. Delighted to report. Uh, 84850, steve at uh, Another one here. Uh, also asking wh- what bonuses we get in this business. You don't get any bonuses. I've never worked for a bonus. I don't think Have I ever worked for a bonus? No, nothing at all. I'm trying to think if there's ever been a moment. The only time I ever got extra money is when I worked for the John Lewis Partnership. And I'd worked for there for about three or four months and it came up to Christmas and you all get a Christmas bonus. And that was, uh, that, that was actually quite good. I wasn't expecting it. It was really good. I thought, God, a bonus. Didn't really know what to do with it, did you? Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. They did a great thing on the television the other day, and it was looking at people on planes um, who, are, who are fat, too fat to fit on the seats. And, and then they decided to take it further, and they took some fat people, I mean fat people, out to places like Thorpe Park and Chessington World of Adventure. I can't remember exactly where they went. It was a theme park to see if they could fit into the rides. And it turns out they can't. Fat people can't go on funfair rides because there isn't, you know, there, there isn't sort of in, enough, enough room on the rides. They're only sort of small, the seats. And if you look at some of them, because they're fairly ancient. I mean, it's, it's, it's really, really difficult if you were sort of a slightly plumper person and you want to go on a funfair ride, there's a chance you're going to be so wedged in that it's going to be the most uncomfortable ride you've ever had, which is a shame. Anyway, apart from that, it's nice to have your company this Friday morning. It's another wet, miserable day. God, blimey. Just a day for not standing at bus stops. And the only reason I say that is because there will be people who will be blissfully unaware. Tourists will be blissfully unaware that there are no buses. When we had the last bus strike, I remember going past the... Uh, the bus stop, and there were people sitting there waiting, and I had to say to them that, sorry, there aren't any buses, there's a strike. Because if you're a tourist, you're not aware of it, are you? A woman got on the bus yesterday that I was on, and she said to the driver, are you on strike then tomorrow? And he said, uh, I don't know, I think so. He said, you'll, you'll have to listen to the news. I felt like handing out an LBC sticker and saying, listen, listen to LBC, that'll tell you whether they're on strike. Uh, weather for today, in case you've just woken up, and I'm sure many of you have, because you don't like to miss the beginning of the programme, it's generally the bit where I'm so... Bitter and twisted, it's, uh, it's almost healthy. A mixed day, bright spells, scattered showers, some of which may be heavy. Feeling cool with strong winds. 18 centigrade, which is not as good as it has been, but it's OK. Currently 13 tonight. The showers will ease through the evening, leaving a dry night with clearer spells developing. Feeling chilly 
Overnight lows, minimum 11 degrees centigrade. So that's what you've got to look forward to. Lucky old you, eh? LBC 97.3. It's past uh, four is the time. Was it going to be a trail then, or I reading the trail? I thought there was a trail going out, or did I miss it? Oh, it happened. Good Lord, it was very quick, that. The Boris Johnson, who's with uh, Nick Ferrari at breakfast, he'll be taking your calls on the bus strike. So you better find out all the latest. I mean, it'd be lovely to think that they might actually call it off in an hour, but it's not going to happen, is it? If it started at three, what a funny time to start, three in the morning. A bus strike, three, what time should we start? Let's start at three in the morning. Small wonder there's hardly anybody out there. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I've never anything like it. But as I say, we had a bus strike last time and we all managed to get through because we're British. We work in London. We're kind of used to it, aren't we? You know, sometimes the tube drivers go on strike. Sometimes the police close roads off and stoically we get through. Because that's what, that's what we do, I'm afraid. We, we, we're just sort of kind of up to speed with it now. It's almost, it just goes over our head, doesn't it? You know, phew, cheeseburger, large fries. That's about it, I'm afraid. Uh, Matthew says, make all of them self-employed. That'll stop the strike or give them the pay rise and put them on a one-year contract. Yes, I've always said nobody'd ever go on strike if they were freelance. Nobody would ever, ever go on strike if they were self-employed. I remember saying to the management of this radio station about 30 years ago, because LBC had a history of strikes. You can't believe it, but we spent most of our time in the 70s on picket lines. Because the union, because we were a very, very big NUJ union, um, if somebody in the country had a dispute, we came out in support of them. Many's the time, poor Douglas Cameron had to stand outside in Gough Square doing the breakfast show via the radio van because the engineers refused to work downstairs. It was, it was, quite, it was almost comical in the extreme, but, but being Douglas Cameron, he was a trooper to the last... And uh, and he was good. Oh, yeah, we had picket lines. We had braziers out there. NUJ official picket. line, went all this kind of stuff. And, uh, and I remember thinking, and I remember saying to the manager at the time, if every single presenter, because all presenters, I think barring none on this station, barring none, they were all self-employed. You won't ever find presenters going on strike. They'd have to be a fool to go on strike. But yet you can always find the staff going on strike. So it doesn't make any difference. They've got nothing to lose. But so they bring in all the, all the freelancers to cover all the staff people. I seem to remember the last time we had the strike back in the 70s, early 80s, we had the management driving my programme. I thought it was hilarious. Because they weren't particularly good at doing it, but at least they made the effort. Which is goes going back to my story the other day of actually sitting in, um, in, uh, in uh, Waitrose, wondering why they're not opening tills up, when they've got the management standing around just staring at us like complete idiots. It's like being a meerkat... It's, 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 a bit, it's a bit tedious. Uh, eight for eight. For eight. David in Croydon, you are a bore, aren't you? You really are, honestly. You're not quite all there, I'm afraid. It was like listening to the bloke who did the hydroponics earlier on, and he sounded like he was so slow. And he's got the tattoo. This is the one who's got the tattoo of the eye on the back of his head, and he's running out of space on his body. And you think, oh, my God, Father. Why would you want to phone up and tell people that you've actually got no more space on your body to put tattoos? Why would you ever want to tell anybody? I mean, because most people... It all goes back, doesn't it, to this woman at Ascot. And she turned up, and she's got tattoos. And um, and it turns out she's sort of middle class, but she's very proud of her tattoos. But as everybody else has pointed out, they're great when you're young. They look lovely, don't they? And I've seen loads of pop stars, because pop stars have them. Binky's probably got them in Made in Chelsea, I should imagine, but probably well hidden. And I'm talking of that, I turned on the television the other day, and it was something on CBBC. Now, that's, this is children's television. There's only a presenter presenting a programme with tattoos up his neck. Have you heard of such a thing? On children's BBC, on a children's programme, a presenter with tattoos, stars going up his neck. 
I mean, just absolutely appalling. Absolutely appalling. But you see a lot of that nowadays. I believe one of Sam and Mark has got loads of tattoos as well. But I think they keep them fairly well hidden. Because I don't want to watch children's presenters with, with tattoos. I don't like them. I think that I did often want one. You know, people have said to me, you know, would you ever have a tattoo? And the answer is I couldn't be bothered to go through the pain. But in addition to somebody phoning up who didn't sound as though he was actually all there in the brain department, talking about how many tattoos he's got and the fact that he's got no more space on his skin. And you start thinking, you're beginning to look like some of these Japanese club members. You know, you've got these Japanese men. They're a member of these, uh, these gangs. A bit similar to the triads, you know, the Japanese version. And they're covered in tattoos. But when they're wearing a suit, you can't see them. They take their, their clothes off and every inch of their body from the neck downwards and just on the, the sleeves, on the cuff, is covered in tattoos. I mean, it looks lovely, but when you get older, they start blurring. And I think Duncan described it as looking like blotting paper. And that's exactly what it looks like. It looks really naff. So she might be really proud, but when she gets to 58 or 60 or 55, whatever it happens to be, these tattoos are going to... The ink starts blurring as your, as your skin spreads. Give me indigestion now. I'm so upset about the whole thing. You know, because it looks great now. She goes, oh, I love my tattoos. You think, yeah, but you're really going to look naff, aren't you? You're really going to look naff. I mean, blokes with, with tattoos, especially blokes. We have got a bloke in Twickenham. He's got his face tattooed. I mean, God in heaven. I mean, it's, I suppose it's an addiction. Perhaps it's an illness. Perhaps it's an illness. I mean, years ago, if, if I always thought if somebody had tattoos, then they used to be a sailor. Because it was generally sailors that had tattoos because they went round the world and, and they had a girl in every port. Some had boys in every port. It was different. And, uh, but they had tattoos. And you didn't see normal people. Now you've got tattoo parlours on the high street. Gone are the days when it was a little bit furtive. Now they're open. Tattoo parlour. You know, and you leaf through a catalogue to decide what one you want. And they're not cheap. They're really expensive, like two, three hundred pounds for a tattoo. Why would you want somebody sticking a blooming needle in you with a bit of ink on the end of it? No, thank you. I stick a needle in myself twice a day. But to be honest with you, even that blooming well hurts. The idea of having somebody going like that. And everybody says to me, it really hurts. And that's enough to put me off, I'm afraid. I don't really understand the reason for the strikes. I know more people are in London, but the way the bus unions are going, it's like they're going to have to piggyback the extra load. It's a bus you drive. What's the difference between the Olympics and rush hour when we're all shoulder to shoulder when the bus is full? It's full. So it doesn't make it, perhaps, perhaps they think, if it's an Olympic crowd, perhaps, perhaps they're worth more money. Because you're right, what's the difference between a full bus at the Olympics and a full bus in the Russia? I don't get it either. But there again, I've, I know people who work the buses. I mean, I, I really don't understand it. I don't begrudge anybody any money, but I don't understand why for the Olympics, unless you're literally holding somebody to ransom, would it, would it be worth any extra money? They go, the extra stress. Well, I would have thought rush hour was stress. Ridiculous. Tony says, if the bus drivers went self-employed, they need accountants, and if they have accountants like Jimmy Carr and Gary Barlow, then they pay less tax. It is true. Actually, Rufus Hound, on the subject of poor, poor Jimmy Carr, who's, who's lambasted in all the papers today because he was filming 8 out of 10 cats yesterday, so they took the mickey out of him for ages, and Rufus Hound went, I don't know why everybody's picking on him for, he's actually really good and he gives money to charity. And I thought, Rufus Hound, who sadly lives in Twickenham, Oh, guess who we saw walking through Twickenham? I'll tell you in a moment. And, um, where did I go to? Oh, yes. And so Rufus Hound goes, you know, Jimmy Carr is really good. He gives a lot of money to charity. I thought, of course he does. He only pays 1% tax on 3.3 million, 33,000. Hello? Hello? Earth to tax man. Earth to tax man. 33,000. And so Rufus Hound, hello, Earth to Rufus Hound. Of course he gives to charity. He could afford to give a million to charity, I would think. Wouldn't make any difference to him. It's all tax deductible. And he only pays 1% tax. 
Every comedian's rounded on him, but comedians are like that. Have you noticed? No love loss between comedians. Frankie Boyle's laid into him. Everybody. They've all attacked him, you know, for being only paying 1%, and they all took the mickey out of him. Secretly, they're all going, how much are you earning? And he's going, well, I save 3.3 million a year, but it's not as good as take that, who just banked 26 million. Well, three of them did. Obviously, poor old Jason Orange, nobody cares about anymore, poor soul. Not his And Robbie Williams, because he's on a separate deal anyway. But I should imagine that Robbie Williams has probably got you know, some of the world's best accountants. You have. If, if you've got an account with Coots or Childs or Drummonds or any of the other RBS banks, then you would have access to some of the best accountants. They'd be there to save you money. They'd be there to make sure you got the best deal. And as I said yesterday, I have no problem with Jimmy Carr saving 3.3 million... 3.3 million pounds a year. I don't have any problem with that. I save every month. It's not 3.3 million, I have to tell you, but I do save every month because it's just nice to have a little bit of savings. I was talking to somebody the other day and they got stopped by the... The police were having a bit of a do round our way and uh, they were stopping every bike and every white van. And... Um, this particular person got stopped and they had a slight problem with their insurance. Anyway, they got fined £200. And this person said to me, said, I haven't got £200. And I went, what, in the world? He said, no. I said, you haven't got 200 And I thought, blimey. I mean, I'm actually quite good at saving little bits and pieces. You know, and, I'm, and I try to make it... I'm not as good as I should be. Some people are absolutely brilliant. I mean, I do spend a lot of money. But on the other hand, I, I try to save... A bit as well, you know, then we take it out for a rainy day or we put it back in or we do whatever. Of course, it has been raining for the last God knows how many months. So of course, you, you sort of take money out. But I always try and make sure if I take money out, then the next month I put it back in again. So you just have to go without a few things. Don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not sort of like the bus drivers on, on sort of Poor Street or anything like that. But I just can't quite get my head around the fact that taking people to the Olympics is any more stressful than driving a bus during rush hour in London. And why does it apply to out of town as well? It seems to be all over the place. I mean, I'm not begrudging anybody 500 quid. I just don't quite get, you know, the reason. And nobody's managed to explain it to me yet. You know, I would have thought driving every day in London, in the rush hour... I've, how many times have you sat on a bus and the driver started swearing because people cut them up and they do everything else? That, I thought, was worth extra money anyway. But, you know, why you'd have to have an extra payment for the Olympics? And the truth of the matter is, they've done it because the tube drivers said, we're going to go on strike, which is exactly what I predicted... When we, were, when we were handed the Olympics, I said, on this station, I said, I guarantee you the unions will be looking to go on strike. You think this is going to go through without any problems? Think again. There's going to be arguments all over the place. The unions are going to be pulling people out. They're going to be having strikes. Wait a minute, we, we've negotiated £1,000. I think we want more money. Let's go for another strike again. And that's what will happen. And that's what will happen. And that's why, you know, you have to kind of rise above it because the union leaders... Couldn't care less about the Olympics. They're not remotely bothered. They'll be sitting there, all fat cats, every one of them, you know, stuffing their faces with the steak and the foie gras and the champagne because they like things like that. And it makes no difference to them if they manage to bring a few people out. Who cares? Who cares? It gives them a sense of sense of power. You know, I'm surprised they haven't pitched in for reality shows or OK shoots or hello shoots at home, you know, at, ho at home with the crows. You know, I see that as a headline somewhere. So they're on strike, and if you do pass a bus stop, especially for a taxi driver, come on, you know it's right. You have to pull in and go, there's no buses. They're on strike. And when people say why, go, it's England, and they just drive off again. It's easier to just explain to them, it's British, that's what we do. It rains, it snows, we have hail, 
and people go on strike. OK, people also root you in shops. People couldn't care less to you. They're selling you a lot of overpriced coffee and you will sit down and have it because uh, that's all there is on offer. It's either that or a fizzy drink. And you'll enjoy yourself because it's London and we love having you here as tourists. And we're looking forward to having many of you here for the Olympics. Whether or not you get from A to B, I've got no idea. I'll have to wait and find out a little bit nearer. Jack Osborne, he started being a bit vocal. He was always a bit gobby. Jack Osborne, wasn't he? Even in the Osbournes, he was the one who sort of was very, very foul mouth. A lot of swearing went on in their family. Anyway, he's been fired from a US TV show uh, by email, he says. Uh, the show said that that wouldn't be possible uh, because he's got MS. And the show that he was going to go on is something called Stars Earn Stripes. And what it is, it's uh, a reality show. It's just a way of making money. Of course, Jack Osborne is neither fit nor interesting. You know, even though he's an adrenaline junkie. It's all, it's, they can't find anything else for him to do. They really can't find anything else for him to do. And this is where soldiers put celebrities through real military exercises. Well, you've only got to look at the size of Jack Osborne to realise he couldn't be fit if his life depended on it, poor soul. And so it's got Muhammad Ali's daughter, Layla, and TV Superman star Dean Kane. It'll be going out in August. But they've actually said, listen, they don't think because of the MS he's going to be physically fit for it. And I have to agree with them. It's not a case of just firing him because they're just going, we don't want Jack Osborne. They're firing him for the sake of his health. And he says, I'm not dying... He said, I've just got MS and it's in the early stages. But they obviously cover themselves for the insurance. The insurance on these programmes is astronomical. Oh, and wait till you hear what I saw on the television yesterday. Oh, my goodness me. It's LBC 97.3, News headlines with Rupert Bartia. Thanks, Steve. Commuters are being warned to expect serious disruption this morning as thousands of bus drivers go on strike. Despite a last-minute High Court injunction stopping workers at three companies from walking out, 85% of bus workers in London are expected to take the action. Great. Uh, one here from Tony. He says, there's no such thing as not taking money. It was a result in the driver being sacked and replaced by another driver at half the wager. But that's stupid. That's a stupid thing to say. It would, I mean, what's the point of going on strike? What, what, why, what are you achieving by going on strike? The answer is achieving nothing. The only people it's affecting are the great British public who've got nothing to do with this. Actual people who own the bus car, they couldn't care less. They couldn't care less. He says there's no such thing as not taking money resulting in a driver being sacked. Well, what, they're going to fire the entire workforce, are they? I don't think so. You know, it's, it's, and it's only 85% of bus drivers voted for a strike. My argument is, it doesn't matter how many voted, it's how many voted under pressure. That's the difference. That's the difference. He says, Arriva are on strike. It's only the shires that have been stopped. All Arriva drivers in London are out. We do this job because it's that or the dole. Oh, my God. You're not seriously a bus driver, are you? Tell me you're not a bus driver. So it's either you're either driving a bus or you're on the dole. That's it. You can't find anything else to do. Blimey. What a sad state of affairs, really. It doesn't, doesn't keep up the... Uh, doesn't keep up the memento, the, the momentum, I suppose, of exactly why people are going on strike. Explain to me why people are going on strike. Because you want £500 because of the stress of driving in the Olympics. I don't understand what the stress of driving in the Olympics is. I heard somebody earlier on and they were saying to Duncan that, uh, you know, bus, a bus driver just doesn't sit there and drive the bus. You have to know all the routes and so... I mean, that's like somebody phoning me up and saying, do you know who's actually on after you? Yeah, I can give you the rundown of LBC. That's what I do. I don't go, oh, well, you have to pay me extra for that. What, you want some information? Oh, well, heavens above. And so when somebody gets on a bus and they go, does this bus go to so-and-so? The bus driver goes, no. And so you get off the bus. That's it. He said, people ask you all sorts of things. But that's, that you're a bus driver. You know, if you want to sit there and be a numpty, then sit there and be a numpty. But if you want to enter into the spirit of the whole thing, go, oh, blimey, it's not, it's only driving. 
It's not like you're driving a rocket or something like that. You're not going to the moon every day. You're just sitting behind the wheel of a bus. If it breaks down, you get a fag break. You just sit there and wait till they bring a replacement bus. It's not complicated. Why do people make such a big deal about bus driving? You sit behind the wheel, it's very nice, you pootle along, people get on, and sometimes there's a lot of people and sometimes there's hardly anybody. But because it's the Olympics and because the tube drivers have held us to ransom by those little round spherical objects, then I suppose the bus drivers are going to do the same thing. You know, I mean, it's oh, very stressful driving a bus with lots of people on it. But as I said, every day is London. Every day it's rush hour. Every day it's chock-a-block in London. Every day there must be stress. Not just from, you know, what about policemen? I spoke to a policeman yesterday called Kieran. And he's uh, over this weekend. He's in Soho. He's... <laughs> told me a story, actually. He was in Soho the other weekend. He said he was in Chinatown. He said, there's these two blokes, these two Chinese blokes. He said they were squaring up for a fight. He said, so I went and stood right next to them. And he said, they didn't take a blind bit of notice. He said they were squaring up for a fight. He said, no, I'm in uniform. He said, then somebody came over and said, excuse me, mate, we're trying to film this. Can you get out the shot? They were filming a kung fu movie in Chinatown and he was in the shot. And he didn't know. He thought they were seriously squaring up for a fight. He was very lucky. He wasn't knocked out. So they might have just thought he was part of the action. Very interesting. So the bus drivers are going ahead with a strike. OK, fine, they're going ahead with a strike and we, we will deal with it. We'll get to work. You'll either take a Boris bike. You set off a bit earlier this morning. We could do that, of course, because you're going to have to set off a bit earlier for the Olympics anyway. The Olympics are going to make sure that you're, you're up and out early. And they put all the signs up, so it's no good going, oh, I have no idea there's going to be extra traffic. There will be extra traffic. I don't quite see how there will be, but I'm sure there will be, because they've got these big movable signs by the side of the road, because this is an Olympic route and that's an Olympic route. And uh, you just have to get there. If you live out of town, it's going to take you a little bit longer to actually come in and to go back. And so, uh, so that's why. Uh, they're having to put up all the signs. Uh, Jimmy Carr has apologised... And uh, he says, uh, team captain Sean Locke, when they were doing this eight out of ten cats, uh, waded in at the beginning of the programme. He said, listen, he said, we all like to put a bit of money away for a rainy day, don't we? But I think you're more prepared than Noah. <laughs> Cause it, because they all, all these comedians on these programmes, they all earn this kind of money. You'd be hard pushed to find a comedian who wasn't topping a mill a year. There's that much money on it, mainly because there's so many programmes that they appear on. Plus, there's their voiceover work. Plus, they bring out their DVDs. They bring out their books. They do their tours. The tour's gross. You know, it would not be uncommon. It would not be uncommon for Jimmy Carr to play, say, the Fairfield Halls and gross £50,000 for a night's work. Now, you might think that that's particularly good money. It's not. It's not particularly good money. He can do the after-dinner speaking thing. He can do a corporate probably every night in London. And how much do you think Jimmy Carr would be on for a corporate? I'm telling you an average of 20,000 quid a night for going there and doing an hour's stand-up. And people will book him. These big companies, every single hotel in London, on Park Lane, off Park Lane, coming into Piccadilly, everywhere. This is just London, would have a corporate do every night of the week. I know because I've done a few. And it's where a lot of people go out and they end up with somebody nice, you know, like Jimmy Carr. Or it, could be, it could be anybody. But their average for these sort of people is between ten and £25,000. I know a good friend of mine got twenty five grand a few years ago. In fact, it was quite a few years ago. £25,000 for the night. He'd originally turned down, I think, £15,000. And I went, 15 grand. I said, what, for a night? 
And he went, no, he said, what I have to do, he said, I have to go up to Manchester, rehearse it, go to the hotel, have a lie down, come back at eight o'clock, do the thing. And uh, they, they were doing a little sort of game show thing. And then, and then come back to London. I said, and they're offering £15,000. He said, yeah. I said, blimey, you're not going to take it. He went, no, that's not enough money. In fact, the truth of the matter is, he didn't really want to do it. So the agent comes to me and says, listen, you know, can you sort of swing this one? I didn't get anything out of it. I wish I had done it. I have thought about it properly. And so I said, yeah, OK, right. And so I had a word with this particular person. And I said, listen, they're actually prepared to go to 20000 And he went, oh, I don't really want to do it. In the end, £25,000. And he went up and he did the gig for £25,000. And I thought, that's when I realised there was a lot of money in the industry. That's when I realised that when you read about comedians who can, who can put away £3.3 million a year, he's got to be turning over £5, £6 million a year. I would think, with all his appearances, with his TV, with his DVDs, with his shows, it's got to be five or £6 million quid a year. As if you can afford to put away the 3.3, it's not bad, is it? Not bad at all. But then you remember, what was it, four or five years ago, Michael McIntyre, £8 million in one year on DVD sales alone. On DVD sales alone, Michael McIntyre grossed £8 million quid. That's not bad for a DVD that costs them diddly squat to produce, because to re- reproduce a DVD costs about 3p. The time we've added the cover in, probably 10 pence. So there's so much profit. So that's why I get so annoyed whenever I see these fitness DVDs. And at Christmas time, they bring them out. All the old fat has-beens off the television will pitch in with a, a DVD. And then, of course, they'll just carry on eating afterwards because they'll be promised 100, 150 grand. And they think, well, for three months' work, 150 grand is good. So that's why they do it. And if you're really successful, you get yourself onto every single show. I mean, at the moment, the person who's in, in every single paper today is Will I Am. You remember Will I Am? Why do you think he's in the paper today? Why is he in the paper? Because he gave money to Prince Charles. He hit on a brilliant idea. If you want to toady up to the royal family, and Prince Charles in particular, you can buy your way in. Half a million quid gets you photographed with Prince Charles. That's how it works. So in other words, he goes, listen, I don't need the money from The Voice. Uh, how can I get into the royal family? And somebody say, well, pr- pr- Prince Charles has got this, uh, this scheme and uh, if you actually give half a million pounds or whatever it happens to be, you can be photographed with him and then you'll become one of his friends, one of his money friends. Because Prince Charles doesn't like spending his own money, he likes spending other people's money. And he's very good at, at, at parting them from it. So Will I Am gives him half a million quid... And Will I Am gets his picture with Prince Charles in every single paper. Prince Charles goes, uh, half a million pounds, yeah. It's a little bit like Sarah Ferguson, would you like to meet Prince Andrew? It's a similar kind of thing, and yet she gets pilloried, and Prince Charles happily takes the half a million quid. Will I Am gets his pictures in the papers. Deal done. Kind of work. Perhaps we should have sent Will I Am to sort out the bus drivers. Would have been easier. Um... Also, oh, there's a, a letter from the Titanic. Oh, you'll like this one, John. John likes this one. Um, it's got a reserve. Uh, it's, oh, no, it's not. Oh, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. It is up for sale. Is it up for sale? No, it's just going on display. Wow. It was, it was put up for auction, and, uh, and then the Titanic Foundation stepped in to buy it, and I think they actually got it for about £21,600. God, it's worth it, isn't it? Isn't that worth it? How lovely. It's going to be displayed at the Titanic Belfast building in the city's docks. Uh, the Belfast doctor, who is John Simpson, it was a note to his mother. 
brought ashore at the vessel's last stop and will be displayed. He previously worked on another White Star ship line, the Olympic. He said he was settling into his cabin well and was signed with fondest love. He died when the Titanic sank in 1912 and it was feared that the message would never return to Belfast. But then now they've stepped in and, and it's there. It's good, isn't it? I like the idea that we've got stuff like that. I think it's, I think it's just wonderful. There's so many artefacts. There was a great programme done by David Dimbleby. And it was all the treasures that we've got in this country. My God, we've got some treasures. We've got some treasures. I've said before, I mean, some of them. In the Museum of London, they've got Charles I's execution shirt. It is said to be the shirt that he was wearing when he was beheaded. And they've got it in the Museum of London. It's not on public display. It's kept in a drawer lined with tissue paper. But it's stained with the blood, which, of course, has now turned brown. But it was said to be the shirt that he wore when he was beheaded. They've still got, somewhere in London, I can't remember where it is now, the hair comb that Anne Boleyn had to pin her long hair up before she was beheaded. A lot of beheadings going on in London, ladies and gentlemen. Perhaps we could reintroduce it. I quite fancy the idea of reintroducing beheadings. Because I've always said, I've always maintained, that if there was beheadings going on or executions on Tower Hill again, it would draw the biggest crowds. If they, if they actually put a live execution on television, it, it would draw the biggest crowds. People would actually want to go and watch. And, in fact, it did in its day. People went to watch the executions outside the Tower of London. Only if you were special did you get executed inside. Not that it made the slightest difference, let me tell you. It's just that outside people jeered. Thousands would go up there. It would be, it would be like a celebration day. When they used to hang them at Tyburn, the poor souls, were sort of taken roughly the equivalent of Oxford Street. People threw stuff at them. Pubs threw up. They had special menus on the pubs. Special execution menus. Amazing, really, isn't it? Amazing. Amazing. Uh, David says, uh, I'm now... This is David in Orlando. Used to work here. He's the food and beverage director at a beautiful yacht club in Daytona Beach. He says, yes, I've finally grown up. I had a wine dinner tonight. Thought you might like to see the menu. So he sent me the menu over. Which is, let's have a quick look actually, let's see if it's anything. I mean, if it's, oh, here we go, it's all foreign, isn't it? It's all foreign menus. So this is their Loire Valley wine dinner. Uh, they've got mussels with a tomato garlic sauce. Oh, no. Do you know, I bought, oh no, moule à la sauce à l'automate. Something like that. Anyway, and then you get a, a very nice uh, Jean-Louis Rosé France. Then you've got uh, French-style country terrine, pâté. OK, pâté for you and me, which is quite nice, with, uh, with something else. And then you get, oh, how lovely, beef medallions wrapped in bacon with a pear and mash potato tower. Pear and mash, what a lovely combination. Lou will be writing this one down. Pear and mash. You know, I've never thought about that, but if you do a tower, you know, you get these little, it's, it's not a ramekin, but it's similar to that, a little metal thing. You put in, I suppose, a piece of pear at the bottom, round, so you slice your pear, and it's about half an inch thick. Then you put some mashed potato on, then you put another piece of pear, then mashed potato, then another piece of pear. Pear and mashed potato sounds delicious. Oh, and then after that, oh, crack it, the beef medallions, which I mean, sound absolutely delicious, David. Uh, then, then we've actually got grilled, sc- oh, it's all fish, isn't it, really, apart from the beef. Grilled scallop basil, red capuscum coulis and green asparagus, lovely, uh, with a, with a don perrier sans serre, and then finishing up with a classic French apple tart. Oh, she's still around, is she? I'm so delighted. Oh, it sounds lovely, doesn't it? I do like, you know, I think the idea of mashed potato and pears, I think is a really good one. In fact, the more I'm thinking about it, the more the chef's listening to it, because they all listen in all the kitchens. What's he talking about? He very rarely talks about food, you know. Very rarely talks about food. And, um, and so, pear and, pear and mashed potato. 
God, the more I think about it, the more I think... You could almost puree pear into mashed potatoes. You could put other things in, can't you? Like Swede, so why not that? I'll tell you in a moment who's coming up on In Conversation, because it's, uh, it's what we call a mammoth one this weekend. It's, it's, we, we've, never done, we've never done a three-hander, as they say. And I'll tell you who the three-hander is between after this. London's biggest conversation, LBC 97.3. What sets Peterman's apart from other letting agents? For 50 years, it's been the way we keep our landlords happy. The comprehensive service provided by our experienced management team. The careful tenant referencing. The way we care for your property. Give me two minutes and I'll tell you the latest travel news. I'll do all the bus routes for you and I'll give you the alternative Routes, okay. This is for those people leaving a little bit earlier this morning because of the uh, the not being buses. Now there are buses running, okay. It's a little bit confusing as to which buses are running and which buses aren't. But I'll run through the list for you and I'll give you the alternative route. Uh, before I do that, I must tell you that Boris Johnson is going to be taking your calls on the bus strike with Nick Ferrari at seven o'clock this morning. Okay, so you can phone up and shout at him and say, give them money, for God's sake. Let's get it over and done. We we just don't want people to come to this country and they go, oh, they're on strike yet again. We don't want that kind of thing. We'd rather have somebody being a bit positive about the country as opposed to thinking that we're all bone blooming idle, which is a bit of a shame. Uh, Plus, so I'm walking through Twickenham the other day. And who walks... And I'm with my friend Graham. We're just about to get a cup of coffee. And who walks past us? I didn't even know he lived in the area, but he must do, because you wouldn't come to Twickenham just out of choice, unless you're coming to look at the lovely hanging baskets. Leslie Grantham. Leslie Grantham is walking towards us. And I went, and my, in fact, strangely, my friend Graham noticed him first. He went, it's Leslie Grantham. And I went, it's Leslie Grantham. Look at that. Isn't that so amazing? So amazing. But uh, he was walking. So there's so many celebrities who live in, in Twickenham. It's uh, far more than Teddington, which has gone a bit down market and off recently. But, you know, far bit from me to say. We can't even keep the church going in Teddington. Now an art gallery. It's quite. I keep meaning to go. I've never actually been there, but uh, it's a nice place. But Teddington used to have celebrities, but people have now moved to Twickenham because Twickenham's far more celebrity-based. You know, it's quite normal. You know, us celebrities walk up and down the road. You know, we, we, we talk to people, common people mainly. Right, let's run through what you've got this morning or what you haven't got. OK, these are the, these are the buses uh, and the routes and the alternative. So I'll tell you the route and then I'll tell you the alternative route. First of all, 73. <coughs> Excuse me. This is Stoke Newington via Oxford Circus to Victoria. The alternative route now from Stoke Newington Rail Station, take the Great Anglia towards Enfield Town Rail Station, get off at Seven Sisters, take the Victoria Line southbound, which will go through Oxford Circus and Victoria. Route 207 is the Hayes Bypass to White City. On this one, Hayes and Harlington Rail Station, take the first Great Western towards London Paddington. A light at Ealing Broadway Station and take the central line eastbound to White City. Route 38 is Clapton via Islington to Victoria. From there, the alternative route is Hackney Downs Rail Station to Great Anglia towards Enfield Town Rail Station. A light at Seven Sisters. Take the Victoria line southbound, which goes through Highbury and Islington and Victoria. Route 29 is Wood Green to Trafalgar Square. That pops up along the back road here. The alternative route from Wood Green Station, take the Piccadilly line southbound to Leicester Square. For Camden, change at King's Cross to the Northern Line northbound. Route 254 is Holloway to Allgate. From Caledonian Road, you take the Piccadilly line southbound. A light at King's Cross, take the Metropolitan line to Allgate. And for Hackney... Go to Caledonian Road and Barnsbury Rail Station and then take the London Overground eastbound to Hackney Central. Now, there's a few others on there, including Waterloo to London Bridge, which is the 521, 
For that one, from Waterloo, you take the Jubilee Line to London Bridge. For Hoburn, take the Northern Line northbound to Leicester Square, then the Piccadilly Line to Hoburn. And uh, finally, on this particular look at some of the routes, Route 23 is Westbourne Park via Paddington to Liverpool Street. And on this one, the alternative route from Westbourne Park, take the Hammersmith and City Line or the Circle Line to Paddington or Liverpool Street Station. Okay, And hopefully that will get you through. But as, as was pointed out to me by a number of you, we've had these strikes before. If you don't know at least two alternative routes to get from your house to where you're going to work, you're not trying very hard, are you? So we're there to help. But uh, if, you, if you're new to London, it might seem a little bit confusing. But do do me a favour. If you do see people sitting at traffic lights, uh, sorry, at traffic lights, at bus stops, and you will find, just kindly point out to them, there aren't any buses. But the funny thing is, there are some buses. There are some lines which are operating and some lines which aren't operating. You, no doubt, will be finding out probably quicker than I am, but it's all on the LBC website, OK? It's uh, your opportunity to beat the bus strike. It's a bit much, isn't it, when it's nothing to do with us and we have to tell you how to beat the bus strike. It's nothing. It's not our problem. We're not, we're not creating any problems. We're just ordinary little people trying to go about our business. You know, and there's people determined, uh, you know, to sort of ruin our day, but they won't do it. We are strong. We shall fight them. Oh, sorry. Anyway, um, so let's move on. 84850, steve at or 08456060973. We'll run through some more routes a little bit later on for you. More of your uh, emails which are coming in. Uh, Mark says, I'm appalled that the unions can hold the government to ransom time and time again. What about the extra stress and demands put on the emergency services? They're not getting any pay rises along with no bonus. Exactly. You'd have thought, actually, if you drive an ambulance, that's very stressful. Should they not be on bonuses? Firefighters, should they not be on bonuses? Answer, yes, of course. Everybody should be on bonuses, because that's the... So, yes, I've just told you who was walking through Twickenham. But, I mean, everybody should be given £500. Every single person. And then we just close the country down and we rename it Greece. OK, that'll be easier. So, welcome to... We can have people arriving at the airport. Welcome to Greece. I'm sorry, is this London? Greece now. It's Greece. You just landed at Pathos, okay? <laughs> just make it marginally more entertaining for all the staff there. Um, apparently, the bus drivers' dispute goes back a long way. The bus companies are just using Olympics as a platform to voice their grievances. They all forgot the world is looking on London, and we're just beginning to look a bit daft, says Mark in Crawley. We've become a laughing stock. Well, it is stupid, isn't it? I mean, it, it really is stupid. It's a bus strike, and we have to try and get round it, and yet it's not our fault. It's got nothing to do with it. It's like when we had the lorry driver's strike and they all did a, glo- a go slow driving through London. We were the one inconvenienced. We were the ones who were sort of, who were sort of pushed to one side. Nobody cares about us, but we, we just stoically go on, don't we? We smile and we go, oh, that's OK, don't worry. We're Londoners, we're used to things like that. We're used to, you know, people having fights in our street. We're used to people sort of jamming. Oh, and by the way, if you're a NatWest customer or an Ulster Bank customer or RBS, you've had problems for two days now with your online banking. They've said in all the branches, because there is a problem with getting money out of the cash points, OK, you might find that you can't get money out of cash points, so in which case, go into the branches. In fact, they're all opening, all the Nat Wests are opening at 8 o'clock this morning to deal with it, OK? They, they appreciate the fact that there is a problem. I, myself, um, am affected, but I, luckily I took some money out a few days ago, so I don't need to worry about it. They're hoping to have it cleared up as soon as possible, but if you do have any concerns, the banks are opening at 8 this morning. That's the NatWest banks, which have got the problem with online banking. 
And so the online banking at the moment has gone a little bit pear-shaped, I'm afraid. So you might not be able to get money out of the diddly-dip machines. And also it might not have shown up on your uh, statement money which was paid in a couple of days ago. But don't worry, nobody will lose out. It will all be rectified as soon as possible. It's just a slight glitch that they've got, which means as today is a big day because you'll take money out for the weekend, go into your branch. But they are opening early. NatWest are going to open, I think, thousands of branches um, from 8 o'clock this morning. The staff are thrilled, as you can well imagine. What do you mean we've got to turn up at 8? That's a little bit of a glitch. Do we get a bonus? No, you don't get a bonus. Uh, let me remind you as well, for all the people phoning up about the buses, you know, and standing by bus stop going, I've been standing here for 25 minutes, Steve, it's ridiculous, there's no buses at all, what's going on? You know, have they all got flat tyres? No, they're on strike. And if you go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, and you can find all the details on there. Is the 152 Lancaster to Accrington still running as normal? Not Accrington Stanley. Accrington Stanley. Do you remember that advert on the television? I like that, actually. It was used to still makes me smile now, because there is a bachelor place called Accrington, which is, uh, which is dreadful. Um, another one here. Funny how there seems to be no objection to the idea of seven TFL directors lining their own pockets by awarding themselves an £80,000 each Olympic bonus, says Bob. Is that a bit like a Brucey bonus? Is that a bit like a Brucey bonus? We've awarded ourselves a bonus. Uh, which is which is great. Uh, Steve says, Pathos isn't in Greece, it's in Cyprus. I know, I know. I just wanted to see how long it would take. I just wanted to see how long it would take. And I was, it, it, was, it was a comedy moment, and it took about two minutes for people to, to, um, <laughs> to pick up. Uh, a bus will be as rare as, as a rocking horse. Lazy drivers on strike. Uh, another one here says... Uh, if the bus driving job is too stressful, why not become a coach driver? Then they can take the pensioners to, to Brighton. Well, apparently one of them wrote in and said that if, if he wasn't a bus driver, he'd be on the dole. So, in other words, that there is only the one job for him in life, and it's being a bus driver. And he can't do anything else at all. He couldn't stack shelves, probably couldn't make that sort of money. But I think the tube drivers make more, don't they? I seem to remember somebody telling me a tube driver could earn... Probably about 60 grand a year, I would think. Whereas bus drivers, I think by the time you've got your bonuses and everything else, I think 35, 40. It's not bad money, is it? I tell you, I might re- retrain as a bus driver. I'd be quite good. I'd, I'd quite like driving a bus, actually. We, we did get this offer from, from Epsom coaches to go down there and have a go at driving a coach. Because I always thought it'd be quite good fun. And I, I do sit with the bus drivers on the buses that I use in London, just to watch them driving. And it doesn't look difficult at all. It's like a computerised panel. The only thing you have to remember is that when somebody dings the bell, you have to remember to pull into the nearest bus stop. And then and you have to push a button and the doors open. But I do that. And then if it's somebody in a wheelchair, you can push it, you can lower the bus. You go, and it, and it drops down. I like that idea. I'll be having people off the buses left, right and centre. Absolutely. What do you mean? You've got no credit. Get off the bus. Right, we'll turn the engine off, we'll all sit here, I'll open up a packet of biscuits. Because apparently, apparently that's what we've all got now. We're, we're, we're obsessed now with biscuits. People are buying biscuits more than they used to. The most popular biscuit is bourbon. People love a bourbon, which is a, which is a penguin without the chocolate on it. I know this because I used to work in the factory where they made them. And I was always proudly telling people, if people used to write in and go, don't be so silly. I said, no, I promise you, it's a bourbon biscuit with chocolate on it. And if, if you don't believe me, get, go and buy a penguin, suck the chocolate off, and in the middle is a bourbon biscuit. OK, there you go. Which is good, because I love stuff like that. I love the, um, I love the woman in court charged with stealing a tin of peaches. And the judge said, how many peaches were in the tin? And she says there were four. He says, you will serve one month for every peach. 
She's being led away. Her husband shouts from the public gallery. And she stole a tin of peas. You have to work it out a little bit later on. It's a bit earlier in the day, I realise. I know you're all standing at bus stops going, do you know there's no buses today, Steve? There is, if you look at the LBC website, lbc.co.uk. Boris will be on to explain all to Nick Ferrari and you after the news at seven. Next, the news at five with Sam Pittis. On FM, online. It's in a peaches joke, came courtesy of Mark Hudson, I have to tell you this morning. There's no point in sort of trying to put my own credit on it. <laughs> Much as I could. Strike day, strike day. I've mentioned that to you now. Just in case you've just woken up going, has, has it finished? No. It kicked in at three o'clock this morning, so they've been out for, well, some of them have been out for two hours. And some of them are picketing, and some are just having a lion in bed this morning, waiting for tea and toast and a cup of coffee and a cigarette, I should imagine, a little bit later on. But uh, we've run through. If you go to the LBC website, it's going to be the easiest thing for you to do. Hopefully you've woken up a little bit early this morning pre-planning and trying to preempt the fact that there might be problems later on. Because some people just come into London as normal. And, and some people, I know it seems unbelievable, people who don't listen to LBC 97.3, and they will be blissfully unaware that there are no buses. So you will get people standing at bus stops. And the moment you get two people there, then it will attract a crowd. Because people will think they must know something. They must think that there are buses are going to appear. So they, they, will, they will turn up as well. So just be, just be aware that there are buses running, some buses, but there are many buses not running. Okay, and hopefully they will have a lot of people who will be sort of travelling around saying they're not working, they're not doing this, not doing that. Bridget is going to see the uh, the new production of Torch Song Trilogy. It's at the uh, Menier Chocolate Factory. Uh, It's unbelievably long. It's unbelievably long. It's uh, I think it runs three hours. Be be aware that there are bits of it which need tightening up seriously. I think there's one phone call that lasts 20 minutes or something in it, which is just way too long. You know, having seen the film, this is the stage version of it, which I think Harvey Firestein starred in. I think the stage, then they made the film. Hated it to start with. Now I love the film to pieces. Thought it was absolutely wonderful. So, uh, But it does run long, so just, just brace yourself for a, a long time. Uh, you shouldn't be paid more because your job gets busy. Sack all the strikers. There's enough unemployed out there to replace them. Uh, bus drivers clear about 24 grand a year. And uh, he says, uh, for that you get, says Mary, people calling you all sorts of names. Or, you know, because you can't fly over traffic or things like that. I miss it so much. Well, you see, I mean, I've had, I've been on buses loads of the time. You know, I've actually been, I mean, I've been on so many buses. And I've seen people just being rude to bus drivers. But then... People are rude to everybody nowadays. People are rude to shop assistants. People are rude to radio presenters. There's some right internet trolls out there. Some right internet trolls. I mean, everybody gets it. You just have to sort of go, you're just not all there in the brain department, are you? You're a bit of a, you're a, bit of a saddo. And then, and then luckily they get featured in the paper. We had that Louise Mensch, the, uh, the MP, and there was an internet troll. You used to live next door to her who was writing stuff to her. I mean, how filthy disgusting was that? Uh, one from Sophie in Leytonstone says, I'm very annoyed at the bus drivers. I work in a secondary school. It's very rewarding, but very tough. Bus drivers should dry a, a day in my job. Well, exactly. See, I don't see... I don't see that, you know, that bus driving is very stressful. I really... I mean, it's, I understand getting by the will of a car. But anybody who drives in London... Me driving in London... When we went out to the, the Dorchester, me and my friend Lou, we went to the Dorchester for afternoon tea, and I, I dropped her back at the garage so she could pick her car up. So she sat in the back of my car. Because she quite liked that kind of thing. And I've, I've never had anybody sitting in the back, apart from the kids, so it was, it was quite entertaining for me too. But it was stressful just driving through the... At one point she said, shall I get out here? I said, no, I'm practically there now. It doesn't make any difference. But driving in London is just very, very slow. 
whether it's busy or whether it's empty. I don't think there's ever a day, apart from the early hours of the morning, where you sail through London. That's the only time. When I come into work, you can actually drive up and down the roads. The only thing that stops you are the stupid traffic lights. Uh, you shouldn't be paid more, Steve, because your job gets busy. Yes, yeah, so we agree that. And Malcolm says, if you go out to buy biscuits, make sure you don't get them from Poundland. Yes, this is Croydon Poundland, who have fined a huge amount of money because they had a mice infestation. They'd been told about it, and the manager did nothing, quite clearly, because he was stupid. He's still employed, believe it or not. Sounds unbelievable, doesn't it? And, um, and what they were doing, the mice were eating the biscuits at night... There was a dead mouse under one of the cabinets. There were mouse droppings everywhere. The staff did nothing about it. Quite clearly, they were sort of people who don't worry about things like that. And then the, um, the, the Poundland staff were sellotaping up the end of the boxes and putting them back on display. Absolutely unbelievable. What about delivery drivers, says Steve? Most deliveries these days are timed. When lorry drivers had a go slow, they did it for everybody because of the cost of fuel. Yeah, but you see, nobody cares in London about the cost of fuel. We all moan about it. It's gone up now. It's come down to about one thirty-seven, isn't it? So that's it. Um, us uh, black cab drivers could uh, could ask to move to rate three, which is the night rate over the Olympics. But are we? The answer is no. We'd all love £500, but it's pure greed, says Tony the cabbie. Well, it, it does come down to greed, doesn't it? It comes down to, I tell you what, I mean, you, you, well, you could prove if it's greed or not. I tell you what, we won't give you £500, but we will donate it to a charity. I wonder how many would go for that. The answer is, not very many, I suspect. No, no, we need that money. We want that £500. Of course you do. And uh, Jane can't believe that the unions are holding the country to ransom. I'm sick of hearing about the train drivers coming out on strike at the drop of the hat. Now, it's the bus drivers. God give me strength. Unfortunately, God isn't handing out any strength at the moment at all. The LBC website is. That's your little bit of strength, I'm afraid, in these days of deep depression and dreadful weather outside. In which case, you just uh, go to lbc.co.uk and there's, there's the page there devoted to the strike today and the buses and you can have a look and you can find out which ones are running and the alternative routes. But as we've said before, if you live and work in London and you've lived and worked in London for, for any length of time, you probably know every route possible, don't you? You should do. It's the first thing I learn whenever I go to an area. Whenever I, they, they say, oh, right, LBC's moving to this building or that building, they, um, they actually then... So I, I would do the route and see exactly where I was going because otherwise I've got no idea at all. Ian. Morning, Ian. Uh, morning. Morning. Um, I'm just bringing it up because um, basically I'm, I'm hearing a lot of negative comments towards uh, the bus industry yeah. uh, this morning. I'm a bus driver down in um, Essex. We mm-hmm. we run around five or six routes uh, within London. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the problem that commuters don't realise is that the companies um, they posted shit, uh, profits of two billion pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they're still not willing to budge on any kind of bonus, um, whereas the other areas of transport have been um, given a bonus for, especially like the underground, for example, mm. uh, given a bonus just for turning up. Um, it's, I, I just thought it's wrong, um, and this is what the predominant mood around the camp is at the moment. That so in other words, should... it actually comes... It, well, what, what, what it's come down to is you have a successful company... And because mm. they're not sharing their money with you, you're you're going on strike. Not just that, no. Um, it's not it's not that at all. Uh, what the, what the problem is is the fact that the companies as such um, and TfL and the whole uh, London wide, it's it, the bus drivers are unrecognised for the for the work they do. Mm. Um, they they just 
I mean, we, we, we go in day in, day out. We pull long shifts. Uh, we pick up a, a lot, a lot of customers. We put up with a lot, a lot of, um, like, like, like mood and the general public. I understand you said that, you know, nowadays everybody's rude, but, yeah. Uh, especially towards bus drivers, um, we're, we're, the, we're, we're the anger that they frustrate out in the morning. Is the answer um, not though, Ian? If 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 a job is like that, you go and do something else. Well, for some people, um, it, it's something they've done for thirty odd years. Mm. Uh, it's not a simple case of just be able to pick up, move on, and just get another job. Um, it's just it's just not it's not um, applicable to them. You know, bus driving is what they do. They've done it for thirty years because. If you speak to a lot of bus drivers now, they'll say to you, this job used to be very, very enjoyable, and now all companies treat it not as a public service, but as a business. Mm. And uh, there is too much emphasis put on that. Um, so therefore, the drivers at the moment, the, the general mood around the camp is um, quite, quite a weird thing to say, but you know, all, all the other public services and stuff have got it, um, except bus drivers. We were overlooked when they put their budget forward. And this is what the issue is about. It's not about disrupting service, not about people. It's not, it's not we don't like people because we wouldn't do the job if we didn't. But it's, it's about the disruption it's causing to um, us as drivers and the fact that we're being overlooked, um, but not only by um, our own company, but all, the, all of TfL as well. So what happens if they don't back down? What happens if they say, listen, we aren't giving you a bonus? Well, it's it's not about um, that as such because we will keep striking. Um, the, the mood is very very solid. That uh, union is uh, very determined to get the bonus, but that's that's a matter for the union. The problem it is is the fact that um, if they don't back down, uh, we will just keep going because we feel it's um, it's, it's our right to exercise our freedom of speech, mm. um, and even if we are. Overlooked, hopefully, it raises the the profile of the bus industry, maybe that a little bit more about what what we're trying to say. See, all all I see is I see if if, if you're saying that bus drivers put up with a lot of abuse from passengers, it's only going to increase mm. after this. It's not going because it's it's the well, we understand that, but there's, there's, there's a life. level. Of, we we understand there is a le- there is a level we will tolerate. Um, you, you hear about in the news, um, for example, the lady who got turned away because she was five feet short of a fare yeah. and then um, things like that. You know, that, that is a minority of cases on yeah. buses. Um, this, you know, and what it does, it, it brings a negative um, rapport to all the drivers. And, it, and it, then it, you know, it brings that frustration. And that, forgive me for saying, but, you know, any kind of action from bus drivers where it's going to affect commuters in any way, shape or form, it's going to bring out a reaction of some kind from the general public. They're they're not going to like us. Whether we're, you know, dead right or dead wrong, you know, um, they're they're going to be upset. It it, it is a case of, you know, devil you know, devil you don't know. It's a case of at the end of this, at the end of today, we've been through a bus strike before. It's nothing new. It's not like we're going through Armageddon here. You know, we are, we we, we can cope with things like that. It's not, you know, we're not going to sort of throw ourselves off the top of buildings. It's a case of we will get to work and we will do it with with your help or without your help. And that's why the LBC website is vital. But it is subject to change. So keep listening to LBC 97.3. Ian, thank you for that. News headlines with Sam Pittis. As you've been hearing, London bus drivers have begun their 24... God, it's Friday, as they say. Strike day! If you go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, you can find all the information about the buses. Now, it's subject to change, 
So if you stay tuned to the station, Andy McCall will bring you up to date. And you have to keep checking backwards and forwards throughout the day. I was watching the television yesterday and I saw this shocking video. And, and I was looking at it thinking, it can't be in this country. It can't be. And it isn't. And it's a school bus supervisor. They have bus supervisors. This, this lady is Karen Klein. Karen Klein is on YouTube. You'll find it quite easily because so far this has been viewed over one and a half million times. She is being mercilessly bullied by teenage students on the bus, some of whom are clearly identifiable. It's a ten-minute recording. Luckily, a student sitting opposite was filming and watching her being bullied. Um, she was trying to, in, trying to ignore the insults. At one point, they call her fat and sweaty... One says, if I stick a knife in you, will you bleed? Somebody says, do you have herpes? This is to a 68-year-old woman. Uh, anyway, she told the local uh, affiliate news station, ABC, that the most hurtful comments came when one of the bullies said her family should kill themselves because her son committed suicide ten years ago. She started crying, and, uh, and then they started bullying her more. She says, I'm sure they don't act that way at home, but you never know what they're going to do when they're out of the house. She's worked with the school district in Rochester, New York, for over two decades. She's vowed not to quit her job. Supporters poured in from everybody. Uh, police have uh, been called in. They've questioned the students allegedly involved, but none have been charged yet. I hope they kick them out of the school. When you see this on YouTube, and you will watch it now... You will want to watch this 68-year-old being bullied and some of the things they say to her. You want to go round there and, and throttle these, these teenagers. This is year seven and eight. Now, to be honest with you, I don't know what year seven and eight is. It doesn't mean diddly squat to me. But there's about four of them uh, who actually gathered round her bus seat. And at one point, this relentless abuse just makes her cry. And you think to yourself, I'm sorry, I want to take you and throw you out of this school because you're just filth. You're just absolute filth. Anyway, the good news is, if there is good news to this kind of story, because she must have felt really depressed sitting on this bus all by herself with these students picking on her for some reason. I thought they were on drugs. You'll probably think the same when you watch it. But there's a fundraising website which has now raised more than $250,000 in donations from well-wishers who want to send her on a dream holiday. I tell you, I'd rather spend the $250,000 dragging these pond life into court and hauling them up and putting them and shaming them in front of the entire country. That's what I want to do. And I'm sure that Mrs Klein herself would probably have that, that opinion. She's been quite gracious about it. You know, she said she's not going to quit. She said she, she doesn't think that they would behave like this at home. But in which case, that's why you have to drag the parents into court and go, is this what you've brought up? Is this the kind of... Are you proud of this person? You know, what are you going to do about it to make sure this doesn't ever happen again? It's appalling, really. No respecter of anybody, these four youths. One of them is, uh, is very, very clearly identifiable. And I would drag him into court straight away. I don't know what, under what charges, but I'm sure you'll find somebody in America for 250. You'll probably find lawyers will do it for free to stamp this out. You know, bullying of elderly people on buses and saying things. If it happened over here, we'd have them hanging from a gibbet, ladies and gentlemen. You know, or run under a bus, if indeed we had any buses. But sadly, we don't have any buses running at the moment. So uh, the strike is on since three o'clock this morning. I'm sorry to be, I know it's, it probably is a bit tedious for those people who never take buses. But unfortunately, there are millions of people in London who take buses every day. And who will be standing by the bus stops, hoping that their bus might appear like sort of something out of the mist. You know, I'd like a comedy pro. I was watching a film yesterday called Mrs Miniver. And it's a very famous film. I, I mentioned it to a friend of mine. I said, I'm just watching Mrs Miniver. She went, oh, it's my favourite film. My mother and I's favourite film. And I said, it's supposed to be set in England. 
but the buildings look American. They, they, at one point, a London bus trundles over, but you know it's fake. It just doesn't quite look right because the houses, it looks like a New York lot. The, the house that they've got in England isn't quite right. But uh, I'm only halfway through it. I haven't, I haven't quite got to the end of it yet, but everybody tells me it's this, this cult film, but I've just got a horrible feeling it's going to have a sad ending. Uh, 84850... Um, apparently you want to get John to tape dispatches on Channel 4 on Monday for you, says Val. It's about scams in the undertaking business. Oh, blimey. How many scams can you come up with in the undertaking business? I'm not sure my, my body can handle things like that, ladies and gentlemen. I just don't get it, says Claudia, with people who go on strike. Every job is hard, as long as you have to get out of your bed and face the elements in the public. As a nurse, I don't strike, and having to get on my feet all day, I now have to walk into work. Life is tough, and people need to be grateful and stop complaining. Some people don't even have a job. With you, who needs to complain? Just have a good old laugh. It's true, actually. It's true. I mean, it, sometimes, I, mean I, I can do the complaining for you. I, I can be Mr Misery on the radio for you, if you like. If it makes you feel better about things, I can do that. And uh, Jane says, bus drivers not recognised for the work they do. Welcome to the real world, mate. That goes for most other workers. Yes, I mean, it's, it's a case of should you be recognised? You know, should I be recognised what I do for a living? Should Nick Ferrari be recognised? Should Well, maybe not Susan Bookbinder, but I mean, should people be recognised? Because she has a, a separate programme and she, she reads, you know, she has a news programme. Should she be recognised? No, she does it because she likes doing it. Should Sam Pittis be... Everybody should be recognised in their own little way. And I suppose, really, if you're a radio presenter, people write in or people, you know, listen to the programme. And by listening to the programme, they actually sort of create audience figures, and that, in turn, gives people a career. But you don't go around every day going, I think you're really great, even though I do get it every day. It's almost embarrassing, you know, to the point of, you know, it's, it's just very nice. Somebody stops and says, I listen to your programme all the time. And say, the only thing you can say is, thank you. I don't really have any other answer to it. You can't go, well, it was great. I thought this morning I was very funny. I did a little bit about peas and peaches. And loads of people laughed in the studio, you know. And Binky from Made in Chelsea was, like, really made up over the whole thing. And she just thought it was just so fabby, fam dabby dozy that uh, she couldn't wait to tell me. 84850, steve at uk. Uh, Andy says, the guys don't understand. They want a one-off bonus of £500. But if each day they're striking, they're losing 150 If it was a pay increase, it would make sense. But if they're striking for four days, any bonus they get will be wiped out by lost wages. Yes, well, he, he did say that they were, they were prepared to... Well, he said they were prepared to strike and, and do it until they actually get what they want. And so that's, that's where I suppose it's, uh, it, it becomes a little bit, little bit difficult. And most, most of you can't understand. I'm meeting a friend at Heathrow today, happy to see on my iPhone the bus checks that the 285 and the 281 are running from Teddington, says Sue. Good news. It's good news. I mean, I'm, to be honest with you, I mean, if, if a bus turns up, it turns up. If it doesn't turn up, it doesn't turn up. I can still get back home. I should be worn out, of course, and being a diabetic, you know. I'm not doing too much walking at the moment. Uh, Neil says, the bus companies have a monopoly on supplying us with transport. Wouldn't it be great if we could all boycott their service and put them out of business? If I let my clients down, even though they are loyal to my business daily and pay for the privilege, I wouldn't have a business anymore. I think I'll become a bus driver. It's not quite like I'd be a very cheerful bus driver. Hello? I said, hello. Excuse me, hello. Thank you. Just checking, you know, whether or not you're rude. Because I'm quite sure there's loads of rude people get on buses. And uh, Cliff says, can I use my Freedom Pass on British Rail before 9.30? Now, you're asking the wrong person here. I don't know anything about Freedom Passes. Is that the over 60? I don't know if you... I'm not sure if you can use it before 9.30. You might be... Somebody will tell us. What am I asking? It's, it's ridiculous. Somebody asks me a question, I go, I don't know the answer. Without thinking, of course, 99% of the LBC audience will know exactly what the answer is. Can he? 
Can he? And your caller said that bus drivers would keep striking to get the £500 payout, says Rosie. What would be net of that? 370 If you strike, you don't get paid. So in other words, you know, I could understand it if they were striking about a change in working conditions, but it seems too much effort over 500 quid. I'm married to a bus driver, and we can't afford for him to lose money having to strike. There are two ways around this. Firstly... He's in the process of changing union. And secondly, he has annual leave today. So thank goodness isn't really caught up in this fiasco and doesn't have to consider crossing any picket lines. The job can be awfully stressful for drivers. And the hours and the rotor is a strain for the drivers and their families. Maybe Unite could expend their energy fighting for better working hours rather than an additional payment because they're busy over the Olympic period. One last point. When I worked in a shop, I didn't get any extra money if we had a sale and were busy. Love the show, says Rosie. Rosie, thank you for that. You're so right. Because if they go on strike for four days and they lose four days' money, what's the point of getting 500 quid? They've actually achieved nothing at all because they're losing the money. If they don't work, they don't get paid. Well, I'm assuming that's how it works. If he's on holiday, he's all right. But if, if somebody is taking time off, then, you know, to be honest with you, they're losing the money every day. They could lose, you know, over, say, four days or five days. You, it, you could have lost that £500. So what is the point? You know, it's, it's not achieving anything, which is rather a shame. Um, Arriva London has been affected by the strike. Arriva Shires has got the court injunction, says Mick. Thank you very much indeed for that one. Nice to bring us up to date. If you go to the LBC website, it's all on there for you. Uh, grades 7 and 8 are 11 and 12-year-olds. Uh, not in America... They can't be, because I'm looking at the, these, these kids on the bus. They look like they're growing beards, some of them. They, they, they definitely don't look like 11- and 12-year-olds. They look more like 17-year-olds, 16-, 17-year-olds. But they're, they're definitely abusing this, uh, this lady, the 68-year-old school bus supervisor. I'd have stopped the bus immediately. I mean, you, if, if you watch it on YouTube, and I urge you to watch it, you, you will be horrified at the abuse that they heap on, on, a, on a, an elderly grandmother whose son committed suicide ten years ago. Admittedly, they weren't to know that, and that could be the argument in court, that they weren't, that, you know, they weren't entitled to know the fact that her son had committed. They were just so filthy and disgustingly rude to her that they need to be taken to, uh, to task, kicked out of the school immediately, and their parents made to feel embarrassed about the fact they brought up pond life like that. Only in America, ladies and gentlemen, it used to be said. Sadly, it's probably here as well. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk, or 0845 6060973. It's a lovely company. It's Friday morning in London town. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. You're very, very welcome. Uh, the weather today, it's another one of those mixtures. It's going to be very windy later on. Very, very windy. So you have been warned. Oh, and there's more rain as well. Time now, 5.30. News headlines with Sam Pittis. Thank you, Steve. Good morning. London bus workers are on strike, threatening travel disruption across the capital. Thousands of members of the Unite Union are walking out as they call for a £500 bonus for working during the Olympics. A High Court injunction means that staff at three companies, Arriva, Metro Line and London General, can't take industrial action. Stay with LBC 97. The more convenience store in Gravesend in Kent. A man bought a, a lottery ticket. He went uh, in there to have it checked and the machine tinged. When you have your, mach- your ticket checked on a lottery machine, the bell rings and it prints off the ticket telling you how much you've won. The shop worker said to him, it's £10. And so the bloke went, I don't think it is. Can I have the ticket back? They went, no. So they didn't give him the ticket back. So, uh, and then it turns out that the, uh, the shop tried to actually claim 
£80,000, which is what the ticket was worth. Uh, anyway, you'll be delighted to know that the more convenient store in Gravesend have now been stripped of their lottery status. They have no lottery machine. They cannot sell lottery tickets anymore. It's not the first time it's happened. The last time it happened, the worker who tried to cash in again, it was a person who took a ticket in. It was worth, I think, a hundred and something thousand, but they just said, no, it's only £10. What they're supposed to do is show you that ticket which says £10 on it. You know, and you've got to hope that they're being very honest with you because if you're an elderly person, you might not know. You might not know. And they then tried to put it through. The couple there who ran the convenience store have both been jailed, I think, for about 14 months each because you can't have that. Incidentally, the good news is this morning that nobody has claimed the £62 million. Do you remember that £62 million, that huge lottery jackpot that came up? And nobody has actually claimed it at all. And so Camelot have said they think that somebody probably has, has lost the ticket. I mean, you would be gutted, wouldn't you? You would be lot- You would be gutted. I can tell you where it was bought. Bearing in mind, this is worth £63.8 million. Pounds. OK, £63.8 million. Pounds. Uh, what you're losing in interest so far is £72,800. That's the interest that you've lost. OK, it was bought from a shop in the Hitchin and Stevenage area of Hertfordshire two weeks ago. So that's where it was bought. So cast your mind back. Would it be lovely if it was you, ladies and gentlemen? Would it not be lovely if it was you? What a nice, what a nice present I could bring you this morning, that if you live in the Hitchin and Stevenage area of Hertfordshire, and two weeks ago you went into a shop and you bought your ticket, f- find it, check it. The numbers were 5, 11, 22, 34 and 40. I don't know what the other bits were on it, but uh, it's worth worth a bit of bit of money. Worth a bit of money. Sixty three point eight million pounds. It's worth to you. It's a fortune, isn't it? It could cheer up your weekend, couldn't it? That could cheer up your weekend. Uh, grade seven and eight is twelve to thirteen year olds, says Jessica. Uh, we call that middle school over here in America. I'm from Georgia, married an awesome Brit, and we love LBC and your show. I work overnight, and your show help me, helps me get through. Thank you for being awesome. I've never considered being awesome before. But they look so much older than 11 and 12 and the, on the photo. I've had a look at the photos and they look, they look 16, 17 to me. Um, I think drivers, says Sarah, should only get a bonus if they're doing more. Sadly, in general, I feel the quality of driver has gone downhill. The brake is used to catapult young and old down the aisle. Few greet you. Some look out the window, deliberately ignoring you when you get on. And others are busy using their personal phones. My most annoying experience on Victoria Street was flagging an operational bus driver down who deliberately passed the stop without pulling in, had about three passengers on, and I had to put up with the driver snarling at me that he really didn't have the time to pull in as it would mess up the schedule. He was doing me a favour. Well, we had that once I got on the bus, what was it, four weeks ago? Going to Hampton Court. Thought I'd have a day out wandering around Hampton Court because I'm a member of historic royal palaces. And the bus driver, I heard the bell ring and the bus driver ignored it. And then I heard somebody ringing it. You know when somebody, bing, 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 bing. The bus driver totally ignored it. In the end, he gets to the, to the, to the palace and this bloke on crutches goes, in fact, he, 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 he didn't swear. How he didn't swear? I'd have dragged the bus driver through the cab window. He said, I've been ringing. The, what's the matter with you? Can't you hear it? And I felt like saying to the bus driver, I heard the bell ring. I know you, well, I know you didn't. And so this poor man on crutches had to get off the bus and walk all the way back. It was like half a mile back again. Disgraceful. Disgraceful. But then another time, we had two Polish bus drivers. One woman who was, who was driving the bus and a bloke who gets on. And they're chatting. You know, which is totally forbidden on buses. I always report people like that. I've worked with my friend Ivor. 
or Peter, I would tell them, you know, that bus driver there, chatting away to somebody. It's dreadful. There used to be some girl who was going out with a bus driver, and she would lean with her head through the little thing where you put the money, talking to the bloke she was going out with. It was all very odd. Sheila! Hi, Steve. Morning. Good morning. Morning. I'm just on my way into work. Now, today, I don't have to get the bus. Oh, right. But I I wanted to say something on behalf of the bus drivers. Mm. During the really bad snow, and I only live seven miles from central London... During the really bad snow, the tubes and the trains packed up totally for days. The only thing that got me to work was the buses. The bus drivers have a really, really rubbish time, you know. The passengers aren't exactly nice to them. Train drivers and tube train drivers are protected from the public. They never have to see us face to face. They get particularly well remunerated for what they do. Bus drivers don't. Now, we can argue about rubbish bus drivers, but this morning you reported that Portland Street tube station was closed because of lack of staff. So someone couldn't be bothered to get out of bed and the tube station's closed. Nobody ever makes a fuss about that. I do. I I think the bus drivers deserve a bonus. You know, the reason that the tube train drivers and the train drivers got a bonus is because they threatened exactly the same thing and they got what they wanted. Trouble so is, why not, as we've pointed out, the bus if the bus bonus. drivers go on strike for four days, they've eaten up the bonus already. Oh, no, I agree with you, Steve. I mean, the thing is, it's very hard to make a point in this country mm. without losing something. But good on them. I, I really, really support them, you know. I mean, I'm not going to have a nightmare going to work today because I'm going, I mean, I get the five past six train. Do you know what I mean? Mm. That's my choice. And I do feel sorry for people who are going to struggle, but people have got to realise that there's got to be parity. Mm. It is just not fair. Oh, to be honest with you, I, I mean, don't think I... anybody's going to struggle. I, I think we're all, we've, the trouble is we've been through these things so many times before. As I said earlier on, if people... People can't get themselves to work. They go, oh, I can't go because there's no buses running. Well, then you need to get a a grip on life. Oh, absolutely. I mean, honest to goodness, I can't say I agree with you more about that because I had to get to work during the snow Mm. because we were running exams and I wanted to be there, even if it was just to say to the students that poor students that did turn up that we weren't actually going to run the exams. Do you Mm. see what I mean? You can't just... You can't not do things because these things happen. Mm. But what people have got to realise is, and I know this sounds really funny and a bit old-fashioned, but there are principles involved here. And uh, the absolute principle is, why the heck shouldn't they get it? Mm. I mean, what I, mean? <laughs> I would also, I think if I was a bus driver and somebody was rude to me, I would sit there, I'd tell the, turn the engine off and go, we're going nowhere, OK? I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I agree with you wholeheartedly. So while there are bad guys who, you know, are rude, and I mean, I've been on, there's a particular bus driver, um, and I won't say which garage, but it's a garage in south-east London, and I used to dread getting on his bus. You know, he used to use, uh, well, I nearly said the road, but he used to use a main road in south-east London, a bit like a racetrack, you know, and it would be scary because you'd think if a poor pedestrian gets in the way, there may be a problem here. I mean, it was partly... It was partly exciting and it meant I was going to get home fairly quickly. But do you see my point? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some of them can be a nightmare. I do agree. But that's the nature of the beast. Human yeah. beings are like that. Oh, you know, you get good oh. and bad people everywhere. Like listening to, but, a, to a radio station, Sheila, and sometimes you've got presenters that drive you up the wall and sometimes you've got nice, cuddly presenters in the morning that make you feel all warm and cosy. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I agree. The other thing, which I, I remember years ago, there was a comedy sketch, and I think it was on The Two Ronnies, and it was on bus driving, and it was how to be a bus driver, and so they had, I think it was Ronnie Corbett or Ronnie, it might have been one of the two, I can't remember how it was, and they would say, how to be a bus driver, and they would pull into the bus stop, they'd see somebody running down the road, little old, wait, 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 and just as she got near to them, 
the bus pulled out, so she missed it. Or failing that, they just got their, their foot on the, on, the, on the back of the bus, and then they fell off the bus. And this, sometimes, you know, you actually get on the bus, and you go, tit, 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 and you put your little thing on the machine and all the rest of it. Even before you've got, like, two feet down there, he's pulled out. And for some elderly people, how there's not accidents, I really, you know, I understand they work to a schedule. I'm, I'm, just, I'm not that stupid. I know how that works. But sometimes you have to look. Only occasionally have I seen a bus driver wait till an elderly person sits down on some of those seats at the beginning. I, I deliberately limp just to make it look like I'm disabled. You know, and sort of cling onto the sign and go, I'll be all right. Don't worry. Don't worry. You put your foot down. Thanks. <laughs> Been known to do that before. Yeah, because you do get flung around. It's difficult. You know, it's like coming down the stairs from up... It's blooming dangerous up there. You know, you need grappling irons and oxygen. <sighs> A bit like Darth Vader by the time I started the topic. <sighs> Obi-Wan Kenobi let me off the bus. And, it's, and you try and get... Excuse me, excuse me. Getting off the train's worse in the morning. We've got these kids who get on the train and they've got all their big kit bags, which are bigger than they are. And they just put them in the aisles. You have to step... I step on them. I step on them because it's, they're quite stupid, these children. Very noisy. The girls are very screechy and the boys are very screechy as well. And, and they, their bags are all over there. So you have to step over everything. They've got no manners whatsoever. I'll find out what school it's from. Perhaps we'll have a word with the headmistress. I like to do things like that. So if you bought a ticket for Camelot and you bought it in Hitchin and Stevenage from a shop two weeks ago, can, can you check? Can you check? Because I was hoping it was me, actually. 63.8 million. 63.8, nearly 64 million pounds is yours. Because two people shared the pot of 120, whatever it was, million. Do check. But the chances are you've probably lost the blooming thing, haven't you? I've just got this awful feeling. Morning, Dan. Uh... Uh, the lady who said that the 281s and 285s are running, I don't think they will be, as our garage are all out. He knows, you see. He knows. So uh, there are no 281s and 285s. Is there anything running in, in Twickenham, Dan? Is there anything running around there, or is everything everything closed off in, in Twickenham? I mean, it doesn't affect me this morning, actually. It doesn't. But I'm just curious to know what we've got running around our area, and you seem to be the font of all knowledge for me this morning, seeing as you've got your, your finger on the pulse down there at your, your garage. Is anything coming out of your garage? Do let me know. 84850, Steve, well, you know what this thing is. Uh, another one here. On uh, on the subject of the bus drivers, the bus drivers want any money that they'll lose from striking to be added to the five hundred pound bonus, so they will increase the sum with each day that they strike. I can't see that happening. Can you see that happening? I'm in year nine at my school. Year seven and eight, eleven to thirteens, absolutely disgusting. If they were on my bus, I'd get all us passengers to mob them and drive them to the nearest police station. Says Daniel, it's it's absolutely awful. If you've just woken up, this is the story of the. 68-year-old school bus inspector. She's, she's a slightly large lady. Not, not grossly large. She's, put it this way, she's sitting on a seat. OK, she's got a bit of a tummy on her, like a lot of other people have. And these students, they, they talk about, you know, you're fat and sweaty. At one point, they make her cry. Because it, it cannot be much fun to be bullied by four, if they're 11 and 12-year-olds, and they, they need throwing out that school immediately and putting in reform school. That's what I do with them. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm sick to death of badly behaved children, which generally end up with sort of badly behaved parents. But to, to treat a grandmother like that, at one point, one of them says, if I stick a knife in you, you know, it'll be like butter. And you think, are you sick or something? What's the matter with you? Are you mentally disturbed? Because you just don't say that. It's on there. Uh, luckily, there's a fund 
They've got $250,000 in so far to send her on a holiday. I'm suggesting that in America, and we have very little say over anything that goes on in America, I'm suggesting that this is built up now. One and a half million hits they've had in the course of a day. I suspect that the, what they need to do is find these children, which they have done, and get them into court with their parents, and if necessary, send them to some juvenile delinquency area. Perhaps the Maldives would be quite nice. Shove them on there, or shove them on the moon, or shove them anywhere. Quarter to six. News headlines with Sam Pittis. A 24-hour strike by bus drivers is underway, threatening severe disruption across London this morning. Fifteen major global banks, including Bar... Not really enough time this morning, is it, to get everything in? Ten to six. I'll tell you who's coming up on In Conversation in a moment. Uh, Jeff tells me the older person Freedom Pass can be used on buses, trains and trams 24 hours a day and on national rail services from 9.30. Mrs Miniver... There's a classic tearjerker about a middle-class family learning to cope with World War II. It's funny how it was set in America, and yet they're all playing British. Actually, it just doesn't... It, that was the bit that didn't kind of ring, ring true to me at all, which, which was a bit strange. Right, Dan's back. He says, non-routes. Uh, no routes at all out of Fullwell. So that's 65, 71s, 110s, 2160s, 267s, 281s, 371s, as far as we're aware. Uh, is it... What is, is it? Abileo? I don't know what Abilio are not running either. So looking at the R68, the R70, the 290, the 481, the 490, it's like bingo. H20, H25, H28. So most of the local area of Richmond and Kingston is a no-go. As London General have the injunction, there will be a couple of routes out of Kingston not affected. 85s and 213s. Thanks, Dan. Thank you for that. It's very useful. Very useful. So, in fact, there's absolutely diddly squat round our way at all. Diddly squat. So, there we go. Thank you. That's very, very useful. Very, very useful. Thank you so much for that. Uh, I travel by bus every day, Steve, and I see the elderly being flung around all the time. The drivers never wait for them to sit down. Just Tuesday this week, an older woman got on the wrong bus and asked the driver for instructions on where to go. He told her to sit back down. He'll call her when she got near because she needs to be... Uh, from where she needs to be. Two seconds later, the woman's practically on the floor head first because he's pulled off so fast. It does happen a lot It's because they have timetables to work to. But I think, luckily, a lot of elderly people look as though they're used to travelling on a funfair ride. <laughs> they do to me anyway because they cling on. They seem to make it. Uh, East London bus worker says, Steve, every day the bus driver strike, their claim rises by £100. Much as you might not believe it, but it's true. There you go. Uh, I've just took the 137, it's working. No striking today, says Christina. I wonder if the... Is, is the 176 working to penge? <laughs> I have to check these things. Uh, Hazel says, I live on the 285 route and saw one go past ten minutes ago. The TFL website says the 285 is running. Thank you, Hazel. So we, we, we have it as not running. Wait a minute, let me just check again. Uh, the 28... No, I don't have a list on the 285, actually. So, in fact, it, it might be. It might be. That one I, I, I couldn't swear to at the moment. Uh, bus drivers and their, uh, and their bonus. Everybody's talking about this this morning. Uh, as soon as it was announced that London would be hosting the 2012 Olympics, you knew that people from all walks of life would be thinking, what's in it for me? National pride, putting London on the map. What rubbish, says Brett. People just want to get a nice little earner off the back of it. And it was inevitable that the transport unions would hold the capital to ransom. OK, some more of your uh, emails and texts. Neil went fishing yesterday. Fishermen sit in the middle of the rain. They they, they don't care. And he says, uh, I'm on my fu- I'm on the uh, the iPhone. The clutch went on my transit coming home. And when I did eventually get home, the washing machine greeted me with red flashing lights and a warning noise. Time for a cigar. One of those mannequin moments. You know, we sit down and go, 
Can't get much worse, can it? Anyway, he says, I know that you're thrilled. I caught £90 of lovely carp, all safely returned. Let me know when you fancy giving it a go, when hell freezes over. And he says, have a great weekend. Only a week to go to the Magic Circle show. It, I keep forgetting about that. I, mean, well, I, keep, I only keep forgetting because I keep thinking it's creeping up on me a bit fast. This is our charity show at the Magic Circle next Saturday, which will be the 30th. I think, I can't remember what time it is. It's on my, my website, steveallenshow.com, and that will take you through. And we've got some fabulous stage magicians. You won't have seen any of these before, certainly not if you've been to any of the other shows at the Magic Circle. You get a tour of the Magic Circle, close-up magic, you'll love it. It's a good day out, and all the proceeds go to charity. So if you go to steveallenshow.com, that'll link you through to the Magic Circle. But there's uh, only, literally, very small amount of, uh, of seats left. And it's, it's uh, Jan in Hornchurch's birthday on Sunday. So many happy returns. And uh, have a wonderful holiday from Brian and uh, Noreen. And get well soon to little Louisa. She's the same age as your Danielle and a poorly girl at the moment from her friends. And Noreen is one of the lucky ones. She's going to the Westlife concert at the cinema. You know, they're beaming into, into cinemas. And uh, she says, I hear a new in conversation for Victor Spinetti. Yes, let me just tell you that very, very quickly. This weekend, Sunday morning from five o'clock, don't complain about the time, from five o'clock, we're going to be uh, running three people on in conversation. Firstly, we're running Gareth Gates, uh, who is whose speech is... Almost perfect. Almost perfect. And he's in talking about a new show and all the things he's been up to. So we'll have Gareth Gates on for you. Plus Danny DeVito, who's got a new film out. You know he's in London at the moment. uh, And he's starring at the Savoy Theatre. Uh, Plus, we're going to do a little tribute and just play a little bit more of the Victor Spinetti interview in tribute to Victor, who died the other day, aged 82. And uh, he'd be, as I said yesterday, he'd be so thrilled. So three people on In Conversation, Sunday morning, five till six is the best of Steve Allen, six till seven is, uh, is three people. Gareth Gates, Danny DeVito, and a look back at the life of the great Victor Spinetti. So I expect your company. Beth, morning. Hi, morning, Steve. Morning, How are you? I'm good, thank you. Oh, do you know what? I am getting sick and tired of everyone talking about everyone deserving bonuses. Um, I understand that the Olympics is going to be busy, mm. but um, I work for the police. I work for the Met. My husband's a police officer. Um, I'm a civilian. We both work on the front line. It's going to be busier for us. Um, we're having rest days cancelled between now and the end of September, we're not allowed any annual leave unless mm. we request it from a chief inspector and have exceptionally good reasons. Mm. Um, my husband's missing our, fir- our daughter's first birthday party because he's not allowed the annual leave because that's apparently not important enough. Right. Um, You're getting a bonus. People- Say again? Are, 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 will you be entitled to a bonus for this? Oh, goodness, no. We get paid. Oh, right. bonus enough. Oh. And, and in all fairness, I kind of agree with that because you do a job. And, you know, some days in custody, I have an absolutely rammed shift where I never get to sit down, I don't have lunch. Mm. And then I have other days where I'm sitting around twiddling my thumbs. Mm. And that kind of balances out. And at the end of it, you get paid your wage. I don't understand why these people do a job and then say, oh, do you know what, I'm going to have a busy day today, I think I deserve some extra money. Unions. That's not how it works. Death, it's unions. It's unions. They, they, you know, years ago, the unions would have been effective. Nowadays, I think, you know, we're in the middle of a recession, for God's sake. And this is it. We're in the, we've got no money coming in and out of the country. No. And yet they want to take more money for doing a job that they do every day. So it's going to be busier. I don't understand how that entitles them. They're driving a bus from A to B. Mm. Whether they have 10 people on their bus or 100 people on their bus, they're still going to drive that bus from A to B. Yeah. 
I, I really don't see how the job gets more difficult. So they have more abuse. Phone the police. Guess what? We'll be there for free. Yes. You know, we won't be costing any more. So it infuriated me. And it really did. When that lady came on a while ago saying, oh, you know, she feels for the bus drivers and they do work hard. Well, don't we all? You know, and if there were a few more hardworking people in the country, maybe there wouldn't be so many people on benefits, stripping the country of all its money, and we'd be in a, a, a much better place. I like you a lot. I like you, you a lot on a Friday. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel Friday better day. having got that off your chest? Do you know what I do? I would have come into my office and sat here and, 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 and boiled all day if I hadn't. I'm so glad I Good did. for you. Good for you. <laughs> have a nice Thank day, you. Beth. You too. Take care, love. Bye. There you go. It's nice when people get it off their chest. Because otherwise you sit there getting frustrated. You go, oh. At least when you phoned up and you got it off your chest, it makes me feel... Yeah, I liked her. I liked her a lot, actually. I, got a le- I like a lot of people today, because it's Friday. I like everybody on a Friday. <laughs> I had a letter in from a lady called Margaret, who was listening to me talking about arthritis. The other week, she said, and then I think I dozed off, and I missed the end of the programme. She's just been recently diagnosed with arthritis, and she's had uh, injections. She said, but it hasn't actually hasn't worked at all. So if anybody's got any, any advice for somebody who's just newly diagnosed with arthritis, what, 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 is, she, what is she looking for? What, what should she be looking for? Because I'm, I'm not medically qualified to offer this advice to Margaret. But thank you for your letter, Margaret. So I'd love to know from somebody else, you know, what the... She's tried the injections. It's not helping. What next? Uh, good luck to the, uh, to the Club for Acts and Actors in Covent Garden today. Typical, isn't it? Bus strike. Friday the 22nd of June, they've got Michael Wilde in concert. Uh, the CAA, as it is known in the biz, is at 20 Bedford Street. It's Covent Garden. It's lovely. You'll love it. It's really nice. And if you are fans of George Gershwin, Jerome Kerr, Rogers and Hart, Cole Porter, then uh, in concert with uh, Annalise Dale... Kicks off at, I think, 2.15 today. They've got a little bar. They do lunches in there. It's really nice. If you've never been, the Vintage Radio Comedy Society, the Jack Holbert and Cicely Courtney Society, ITMAR and the Vintage Radio Comedy Society, would, would welcome your company if you can make it. So that's the CAA, 20 Bedford Street, Covent Garden, 2.15 today. Good luck to uh, everybody down there. We've got the news at 6 o'clock coming up. Don't forget, check out the LBC website, lbc.co.uk. Some of the buses are likely to change. I've got an update on the 285s in a moment. And we'll take more of your calls and emails after the news with Sam, which is next. On FM, online and... Morning strike day. So if you go to the LBC website, at the risk of, of being repetitive, and I'm sorry to be repetitive on it, but there will be people who've just woken up, so I might as well bring you up to speed with what's going on. There are uh, not a lot of buses running. There are some buses running, but there's not a lot of them running. On the subject of... I was trying to find out. The 285... This is Dan coming back again. Is, is a 24-hour service. So it will run until the end of the driver's duty this morning. No buses signing on from 3am will run. So technically, no night buses tonight whatsoever. Normal night buses resume Saturday night. But check with the TfL website and also the LBC website. So in other words, if people are coming into town tonight, there won't be any night buses. They're not going to run them because it'll be a 24-hour strike. OK? So people are not logging onto the shift. So, uh That'll make London very quiet, won't it? I'm trying, I'm trying not to look happy, actually, at no night buses. My worst nightmare. So the 65s operate 24 hours. So to do the 281s, they'll wrap up at 6.30. OK, they'll ra- so when they come off shift, they will wrap up the small... So they will do the 20... 20- right, OK, fine. Thank you, Dan. Very useful, very helpful. Very, very helpful, as always. And um, another one here. And uh, this is from... Uh, who's this? Oh, it's from Soren. 
who says, uh, forecast thunderstorms over here in uh, Belgium, which is a shame as we have the uh, Ypres 24 car rally this weekend. So hello to John Twomey. He always listens to your show. Soren, nice to hear from you. As always, as a, I think you need to send us an up-to-date picture, actually. We did do a thing a short while ago. We had loads of people's pictures. I think we need to get people to put pictures back on the uh, on the site again. Uh, wrong info on the Freedom Pass, says Bill. The Senior Citizen Freedom Pass cannot be used before 9.30 on trains on southern and southeast trains. Right, OK. <laughs> Good. Everybody's going to be arguing this morning. I work for a very large supermarket, says Val. We were given an unexpected extra payment for working Jubilee Day, which for most of us was a normal day. It wasn't asked for, and having watched all the celebrations throughout those four days, I don't feel I missed out by being at work on the Tuesday. When I get my payslip in two weeks' time, I'll let you know exactly how much it was. That'll be nice. How lovely. Victoria! Morning! Yes, good morning. 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 <coughs> you asked about the arthritis thing. Yeah, this, this is my, my lady called Margaret. She's only just been diagnosed. She's, she's tried injections and it's not working. No. Well, what they d- have discovered is that um, a lot of people who have arthritis are deficient in a mineral called boron. Oh, right. Now, boron stops the body excreting calcium and magnesium. Instead, it attracts it into the bones. So it helps to rebuild bones and shift calcium from the joints into the bones. Right. So if people get a boron supplement and try that, initially you get a temporary worsening of symptoms and then the body starts to regenerate the bone. And where does this stuff... Is is this from the chemist? Uh, Or a health food shop, yeah. Right, Okay. Now, if you can't find a boron supplement, avocados are high in boron. Oh, right. Most of us are deficient in magnesium as well. So, right. um, you know, if you can find, as I say, a supplement with boron and magnesium, that's, that's all well and good. And that, and that will actually help, help her, will it? Sorry? Will that help her? Well, she can try it. I think it, it might. It takes a long time. For, it takes about three months for somebody in their 70s, 80s. Right. Two months. This is a rule of thumb. Three months for someone in their 70s, 80s. Two months in their 60s. And about a month or so. Um, if you're in your 50s. That's what I've read. People right. can Google it, yeah. or on magnesium, and, um, you know, give it a shot. I mean, it's, it's, it's not harmful, and it may be very helpful. Well, that's good. I hope, she, I hope she's sort of listening this morning and takes that advice. Victoria, thank you very much indeed. It's always nice to know when you can pump things out to everybody and people then tell you. Listen, I've been very remiss because I haven't managed to get round to any of my... Uh, I don't see if I've, I've lost all my things now. Wait a minute. So I've got those. Where's my other little bits and pieces? I don't have... Ah, is that the one there? Yes. Uh, right. Uh, one here. I've just seen the school bus video. My God, it's appalling, says Jace. The lady is so brave going on national TV and worldwide. Um, another one here from Danny who says, tell the lady with arthritis she should contact Arthritis Care. They have a helpline where she can have a chat or have written info sent to her. Thank you very much indeed for that one. Um, Surely the bus and train staff will have a more enjoyable day at work as the passengers will be in a great mood as they were fortunate to get tickets and are going to have a brilliant day out. Fab show, says Bernadette. Thank you. Uh, another one here. Please remind the uh, the travelling public to say thank you to the bus drivers who are working, says Kevin the Milkman. Sharon from Benfleet says a tablespoon of cider vinegar two or three times a day with a little water and honey for arthritis. And uh, somebody says... From Chingford, Mal, as there's no buses today, can we use the bus lane? No, you can't. You'll be in trouble. You'll get a photograph taken. And it's telling the... uh, Another one here, Andy. 
Oh, this was sent in to Andy on the travel. He says, I'm on the picket for Arriva London. No buses left our garage. Thank you. Bus drivers have an automatic gearbox. They don't have to worry about gears and are exempt from tachograph regulations. Try driving a truck in London and finding somewhere to park for your brake. I like that. Baby son was born last night, says David on the M11, born at 6.10. Mummy did amazingly well. Haven't slept for two nights. On my way to my police passing out parade. Energy drink for me. Quite a couple of energy drinks, I should imagine. You'll, you'll be going for the uh, the little silvery blue can, will you, down there? Uh, good luck for, for that one today. Uh, another one here. So many of these I didn't get round to earlier on. I'm so sorry. Uh, some buses will be running. Some of us bus drivers are not members of the union, so we're driving today. Uh, Leslie said, Mr Miniver took part in the Dunkirk evacuation. The film must have been set in England. Blooming long trip otherwise, says Leslie. Oh, yes, no, I mean, I, I'm not querying where the film was set. It's supposed to be England, but it was quite clearly filmed in America. Quite clearly filmed in America, because uh, all the exterior shots, it's American. You can see it's American. It's supposed to be Britain, but it's obviously their idea of what they think Britain looked like. But I think it was, it was definitely filmed in, uh, in America. Because w- when it opens, it's set in a, in a street. It doesn't look like any street in any town you've ever seen before. It looks like the back lot of Warner Brothers, <laughs> as far as I was concerned. And then they just bring in a London bus, and they think that's London. But you can look at the people. They don't look British. All the people look American in it. That's why I, I query. I know it's set in England, but it certainly wasn't filmed here. Uh, Steve, I'm a bus driver. I had an incident where some school kids were being abusive to an elderly passenger on my bus, so I stopped and kicked the lot off. And I'm not striking either. Well done for you. I mean, it's, I've just, this, this dreadful abuse of elderly people on buses, it's a bit more common than I thought, I'm afraid. Good to see, says Kevin that this poor woman's plight was caught on uh, camera. I'd be in favour of all senior school classrooms being videoed so the parents could see their little angels in action. My little Johnny wouldn't do that. Oh, yes, he would. There's more health and safety issues on a fairground ride than a bus. At least they check you're strapped in before they start the ride. Now, that is true. That is true. And my black cab poet from Michael Dennis, he says, here's a quick topical one. He says, tomorrow buses are on strike. Some may opt to ride a bike. Ride safely, please. No suicidal nonsense. I don't want a death on my conscience. Thank you. What did the bus driver do on the incident on the bus in America, Steve? Um, I don't know, Anne. I think she was halfway down the bus. I don't think they knew. Luckily, another student was filming it, which is very good. Uh, Another one here. I've seen appalling behaviour by bus drivers. I know, I know. Please ask Dan if there's any K2 buses running. If not, we'll have to walk, says Michelle. Yes, Dan seems to be the font of all knowledge this morning. He seems to know where everything's running or not, as the case may be. We'll take a short break. It's early breakfast on LBC 97.3. I'm Steve Allen. LBC 97.3. 18 minutes past uh, six. You've been very useful this morning. Very, very useful. Thank you very much indeed. And um, maybe the lottery winner is on holiday, Steve. Can you imagine the husband shouting, Quick, quick, pack! Got to get to Camelot. So it's nearly 64 million. And uh, it was bought in Hertfordshire, which is very nice indeed. And uh, another one here. This was... Um, well, I've lost the blooming thing, actually. And it was for somebody who, um, who's got a son who's going to the prom. And that's all I remember. It's a prom, and they're going to... And um, I think it's in Bishop Stortford. That's all I remember. And I can't remember what it was. I can't, it's disappeared off the end of my... Uh, Oh, will it find a word? Oh, that's quite clever, isn't it, then? Blimey, I'm very impressed, then, if it comes up with sort of things like that. Oh, blimey, it's got that... Far. We've had so many of these texts and emails this morning that uh, we're never going to find the thing. The difference, says John, between tax avoidance and tax evasion, 
is one is legal and the other isn't, which is why Lester Pickett ended up in jail and Jimmy Carr hasn't. However, being legal doesn't make it right. Uh, that's clever, we found it. How marvellous. Just on a keyword. Isn't that clever? It's from, uh, from Viv, who says, Wish my son Charlie a brilliant prom this evening and to all his friends at Bishop Stortford School in Enfield. Is it Bishop Stortford or Bishop Stortford? I think you mean Bishop Stortford School in Enfield. So, uh, congratulations, Charlie. Have a nice prom this evening. You will love it. As long as you're not going by bus, you're all right. Trains have tracks and no traffic. Buses and taxis have bus lanes. Street uh, cleaners have more rubbish to clear up. And minicabs have traffic jams. And no bonus, says John the Cabby from South London. A lot of people sort of ask, are the Croydon trams running? I don't know. Rob says, I've watched the video. She deserves a medal, this poor woman, for not throttling the little so-and-sos. And (laughs) there's another one here. And uh, it's good. This one says uh, the man goes for an interview as a bus driver. When he gets there, the interviewer says, you're 45 minutes late. The job's yours. It's probably a very old one, actually. (laughs) Another one here. And uh, this is uh, Bob Crow bringing misery to millions of innocent people again. Can he be charged with crimes against humanity? I shouldn't think so. And uh, I'm a university lecturer, says Sheila. And it was the buses that got me into work to run exams when there were no trains or tubes because of snow. For days it was the own... Oh, we spoke to Sheila, didn't we? But they get the lowest pay, no-brainer, they deserve a bonus. There you go, there you go. And, uh, of course, we recognise bus drivers, Steve. They're the grumpy ones at the front. <laughs> Steve, there are people waiting for buses in Elton, poor soul, says Dan, who's in it. Well, tell them! You have to tell them. It's no good just sort of letting them sort of stand there. It's awful. Uh Another one, on the, the K2, it's not running, along with the K1, the K3, K4, the 265, or the 57, says Dan. Thank you very much indeed. It's amazing, isn't it, really? You just have to ask nowadays, you just get stuff. Uh, listening to you live in bed in, in Chicago is John Warrington. He said it's 103 degrees Fahrenheit, far too hot for you and me. Chicago must be the best-looking city in America, but I loved Washington. Tell your listeners to do this wonderful holiday. Four-night Washington, take the Amtrak sleeper to Chicago and enjoy this fabulous city. The pizza is to die for. Sounds wonderful. Sounds wonderful. Don't forget, with uh, Nick Ferrari this morning, Boris Johnson will be in taking your calls about the strike. I'm sure you'll have some pertinent things to put to him. And uh, Joe Bunting, producer and presenter, will be looking through the papers. We'll run through those again in a uh, in a moment. Very quickly, let me just do a few. I've got so many of these, which I've, I've tried to get through as many as possible, so just bear with me. And uh, this one is from... This is from Mary. She says, never mind striking. Bus drivers are such a miserable bunch, they should all be sent to charm school. I know some very cheery bus drivers, I promise you. Very, very cheery. I've got arthritis, Steve. Uh, Had it for six years. To your newly diagnosed listener, she should every day take omega oil tablets. And when in pain, heat helps, like a hot water bottle and hot bars. But it also helps by mind over matter. It's a very painful condition. Lastly, listen to your body. Rest Eat good food and lose weight if you need to. There you go. There's the advice uh, for today. David, morning. Oh, good morning, Steve. You're uh, never going to get... I mean, fancy you having an event on a blooming bus strike day. Yes, we always do Only something you. like that. <laughs> it's surprising we managed to get an audience, but um, I was speaking to Anna Dale yesterday, and she's absolutely fabulous. We're going to have a fun and entertaining time. Good, good. I've also drove buses for 15 years, and I'm one of the cheery bus drivers. <laughs> you can tell the same jokes on every bus. Did you drive in London, David? Yeah, I drove the 187 uh, for uh, 10 years, and we were always getting 
uh, diverted in Harleston because of shootings and things. That was rather fun. Yes. And when then I was so... on the 90 in, in Pilton. Right. Can you I've explain to me... I've got a good story me... to tell you about that one. No, explain to me, David, just very, very quickly, because I'm running out of time now. When, when, you, when you become a bus driver, do you only ever do the same route? Well, in some garages, I think in, um, with Metroline in Edgware... They used to do all the routes in the in the um, in the area, um, you know, in the whole week, which was rather fun. In other other garages, you were just stuck on one route. Right. I was on for ten years, and I thought, well, that would be pretty boring. But every journey's different. Yes, yes. I was thinking about that. I was thinking it could become boring. And then I thought, if you're a bus driver, you'd have to learn all. The... I wouldn't. If, if they said today you're taking out a, a sixty-five, I'd have to go. Where does that go to? Yes, well, we learn. We have what you call route learning, so we're supposed to learn all the route. How, how some of these foreign drivers understand and no. come into London, I don't know. No, I, I agree with you. And, and 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 did you enjoy it? Well, you must have done if you did it for that amount of time. Well, I had a lot of fun doing it, yes. There was one chap in Felton, uh, a solicitor, who had a dodgy pass, so I whipped it out from him, put it over on the other side, and he he got onto the company and complained about it, and they said... You know, getting, you know, bring the ticket in. I said, it's, it's fallen down the back into the panels. He said, bring the bus back. We took the bus back. They spent an hour trying to get the panel off and find the ticket. They never found it. And it, and it was a dud ticket anyway. He never got back to them because he, he knew he was on to something uh, dodgy. Yeah. Interesting. David, thank you for that very much indeed. Very grateful. And uh, good luck this afternoon at the CAA. 2.30, the kick-off. 20 Bedford Street. You should go and look, actually. It's, it's worth, worth going to look. Lovely little sort of room downstairs. Get a nice cup of tea. And you can listen to some lovely uh, lovely music at the same time. So, Nick and the Mayor, from 7 o'clock this morning, they'll be talking to uh, bus drivers supporting the strike, bus drivers not supporting the strike. There's lots to uh, discuss. I mean, you've kept us fairly busy this morning on the programme. So let's uh, quickly have a look through. I, I did ask before, how much money does it take so you can meet Prince Charles? The answer, half a million pounds. That's what Will I Am gave to the Prince's Trust. And for that, you get your picture with uh, Prince Charles in every single paper. So that's quite nice, isn't it? I've often wondered how much it cost. I know how much it cost to go and meet Prince Andrew, because Sarah Ferguson told us, so I know how much that one is. I just didn't know that uh, that uh, Charles is, is the same person. Do you say, I don't know who this person is. Who is this? It's Will I Am. Will, will I Am what? Just Will I Am. Lovely. Uh, still nobody has claimed the, uh, the lottery money. Uh, they're also saying that uh, Catherine Jenkins is going out with Cheryl's ex. This is this dancer. This dancer. And... Uh, his name's Derek Hoff. To be honest with you, I don't think they're going out, OK? I think he's what's commonly known as an escort for ladies. He's a dancer who wears tight white T-shirts and holds a dog. What can I tell you? And there's, um, for some reason, Catherine Jenkins out with Kelly Brook. Not exactly the greatest conversational piece, I should imagine. But um, everybody was looking, saying, oh, she's the dream date. She is lovely. Catherine Jenkins is lovely. Derek Hoff just looks like he tags on to people to me. He's only a dancer, for God's sake. That's not sort of overhype or over-egg the pudding. Uh, the substitute wags are a bore, I'm afraid. That's what Polly says today. She doesn't like them at all. And, um, and, and to be honest with you, even, I'm afraid, uh, Colleen Rooney, low-key jeans and a check shirt isn't quite going to cut it. And if you're going to be a wag, you've got to look classy. And unfortunately, Colleen, yes, don't look classy. Front of the Express this morning uh, is Clive James, who says, I'm getting near the end of his life, although his PA says, no, he's not, he's fine. <laughs> so he might be just having one of those sort of days. And a lovely picture of a little, little, little chat, you know, the old box at Ascot. They like it. There's some very sad pictures of people at Ascot, women who've got sort of the most ridiculous hats on, quite clearly sad, lonely attention seekers. I mean, who in earth is remotely interested, remotely interested, somebody who's got a Sabutio field on top of their head? 
you know, we're sort of complete with football players. Oh, look, Christine Bleakley, still not working, luckily doing a charity run, so that's good news for her. Lovely. Here's a picture of Amy Childs. What are you doing there, love? And whose hair are you wearing? It's somebody else's hair. There's a woman here who's got, um, I don't know what it is, it's, it's got egg and bacon. She's wearing breakfast on her head. It's most bizarre, the things they get up to at Ascot. Anyway, have a lovely, lovely day. Keep it with LBC and we'll make sure that you get there all in one piece. I'm back with you Sunday morning between five and seven. Really good in conversation, don't miss it. Nick and the team and Boris after seven. Next on LBC 97.3, the morning news with Susan Bookbinder. What sets Petermans apart from other letting agents?